What up, bros? This is Caleb at the top of the episode. Just letting you guys know, today's episode is not going to be up to our usual, or our current standard of audio quality. Um, we had some technical difficulties. Um, I am currently disassembling the uh, office slash studio slash nursery so things have just kind of been jumbled and we were not able to get the typical quality that we provide here on the all bros so don't get disheartened um next week we will be back to our normal sound normal audio quality um but we hope you enjoy this episode it was a hell of a lot of fun to record uh, this episode, and we hope you guys enjoy it. What up, bros, and welcome to the All Bros Podcast. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Caleb. And we're a couple of aspiring filmmakers that love to watch and critique movies, but also enjoy a lot of it of the great life. Uh, this week on the podcast, we're... The, 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 uh, we're joined... <laughs> Shut up. We're joined by some special guests. If you would... Uh, Friday Night Movie, uh, if you would like to introduce yourself. Sure. Hey there. Uh, my name's Shy, also known as Pancake for the Table on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm also the co-host of the Friday Night Movie podcast with my sisters. My other sister, Becky, if you listen to our podcast, you know she just had a baby, so she was, we were literally about to hit hit record, and, and she had a baby emergency. So she might reappear, but for now, you guys have me. <laughs> Works for us. Yeah, that sounds good. So, I gotta ask. What what's with the pancake pancakes for the table? Oh, so the the origin of the pancake is like so as we discussed in our pre show conversation. I'm quite old, and uh, as you get older, you you still want to as as my older daughter says, be connected to your sense of childlike wonder. And for me, pancakes have become the symbol of that because when you get older, you can't just eat all the pancakes all the time. Metabolism does not catch up with you. Um, and so, but what you can do is you can continue to have pancakes and, and share those pancakes with other people around you. So you don't eat the whole pancake, but you still get to connect to that childlike wonder and you spread it around to other people and you share your fun things. So that is where the origin of pancake for the table exists. Uh, and, um, I, I had actually like, I'd come up with that years before I started using the, the Twitter or Instagram moniker or whatever the, my artist name. But then when, then I, then, and then it became that for me. So that is, that is the origin of the pancake. All right. Deeper than you expected, right? I mean, I do know a lot about pancakes. A lot deeper than I expected. I I I just thought you were going to say, oh, it was funny. (laughs) I know. I love pancakes. And, uh, I, I have to say, I can tell you a lot about pancakes and like where to get the best ones and all that. But I feel like this is not a a cooking based podcast. So 
I, I just stuck with the, the sense of childlike wonder component of this. Honestly, I thought it was maybe like a Ralph Breaks the Internet reference. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can say I, your rating system, I, if, if you want to, so I, we know I loved cats. That's how I got to be a guest on this episode. I, I despised Ralph Breaks the Internet. I didn't, I didn't not like it a little bit. I was like miserable during that movie. What? Yeah. <laughs> And Honestly, I love the first one. I love the first one. Consider me an early adopter of the first Ralph movie. I could not stand the second one. Like, I'll say this. You're actually, this is a great setup because we're talking about cats and I'm sure you're going to ask questions about plot and things making sense and all of that. Nothing in Ralph breaks the internet makes sense at all in a world where we know how the internet works. So there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, yeah. like, why is it that a computer program has to move away from home? Right? We're about to talk about a movie where cats reincarnate. How many religions believe in reincarnation? It's a pretty normal thing. But Penelope has to move away to live in another video game with Gal Gadot? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, yeah, he's got a good point. <laughs> yeah, so... just I'm just saying, that that's a movie I real like, I, I loved that first one. Did not like the second. Anyways, sorry, I don't mean to derail us. All right, so this week on the podcast, uh, we will be skipping over um, adventures and hunting. Don't really have any pops or boys to talk about. Um, so instead, uh, we'll be doing our top five movies of 2019, as well as our top five most anticipated movies of 2020. And then, are we just doing movies? Because I kind of cheated. And didn't did a show. Our sister Lily cheats all the time, so we respect her. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll let it slide again. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then after that, uh, we don't have any sneak peeks uh, to talk about. Um, and then we'll be jumping into our main event of the evening, which will be our breakdown of the 2019 movie version of Cats. Yay. <laughs> It's so enthusiastic. Movie we saw. <laughs> Let's be out. Just to get you excited, I have I saw it before and after. I saw the OG version, as you put it, and after they put the new version out. You saw the Broadway show? Oh, I've seen the no, Broadway show. I, no, I'm talking about the, the two releases no, of the movie. How I told no, you he's, he's seen it twice. Like, in- yeah. Yeah, so he's seen it twice in theaters, and how many times have you seen the uh, the Broadway show? Four or live, the... not including the the DVD of the Broadway show that we watch in my house all right. the time. I want to say I've seen it three live, three live. Yeah, yeah. So remember, Universal announced that uh, I think like two days after the movie release, they released a new version with updated graphics. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So I gotta know, like, were the graphics really that different from the first released version? I honestly couldn't tell the difference. But I hope that there is, like, people are talking about the JJ cut today, right? Like, this big news today is that there might be a JJ cut. I want, I'm not sure I want it, but I I think we need to start the trending of, I want the Hooper cut of Cat's musical (laughs) with all the CGI that he wanted done. I want the Hooper cut. I can get behind that. I want I want tons of Ian McKellen licking milk from a saucer. I want triple the amount of scenes of that. I think the point of cats of 
of those of us who love this movie version of Cats is that the CG, it's not going to make a difference. Like, it's not going to make you love it more. You're either going to love this story and you're going to submit to it and submit to your sense of wonderment and amazement and surrealism, or you're going to fight it. And the terrible CG is not going to really change your ability to do that. And, and the two versions so. don't really change the, yeah, don't really change. But sorry, we we're, we jumped into cats right away. As you can see, we, we brought we <laughs> very brought cats excited. game. I know you guys. Um, my sister Becky, by the way, I'm officially reintroducing her. Hello, hello. Okay. All right, what do you say we all jump in? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so first up, we are going to all talk about our top five favorite movies of 2019. Caleb, I hate this damn chair. <laughs> hey, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, just be thankful you got a chair. That's true. I could be sitting <laughs> on the floor. That's good. Yeah, with the disassembling of our office space, <laughs> I'm lucky I get a chair. That's true. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so who wants to go first? I mean, it's your guys' show. We're, we're Well, actually, you know, Becky could be pulled away on a baby emergency at any minute. Right. Why don't we hear from Becky? So these are my, right. my top five movies of 2019. Yes. Yep. So without a doubt, my top movie of 2019 is Jojo Rabbit. Have you guys, have you guys, did you guys get a chance to see it? Sadly, no. I wanted to. So this is the... Um, this is the the new Taika Waititi film. He directed Thor Ragnarok, but he's actually this like amazing, amazing uh, director. In addition to Ragnarok, director uh, from New Zealand, he's, his each film gets better and better. And so Jojo Rabbit is his newest one. It's so wonderful. I super, super highly recommend it. Um, it it's uh, anyway. So that's that's my number one. Number two. As has you know, and you know, you guys have discussed it on your podcast. We've discussed it on ours. Is Rise of Skywalker? That for me is a, a wonderful conclusion to this trilogy, but then to the whole to the whole series. Um, another film called The Farewell. Have you guys had a chance to see that one? No. no. Okay. So The Farewell is. I, uh, I hadn't even heard of it for the record, guys. So. Well, I was wondering. Yeah, um, I another one I really recommend. It's just it's it's shot in this really beautiful way. The, the script and the story and the characters. Um, a, it's a great film. It's about um, a, a a Chinese family that's all getting together in China to visit with the matriarch of the family who is sick and dying, but she doesn't know that she's sick and dying. So they all go there under under the pretense that um, like. That uh, the the one of the grandchildren is getting married, and they're well, they're going there for his wedding. But the wedding is sort of it's unclear whether or not he actually wants to be getting married, or he's getting married so the whole family can get together. And it sounds pretty dramatic and depressing, but it's actually very funny, um, very heartfelt, and it is it is you know it has drama in it, and it's a you know it's sad, but it's just so beautifully told. It's just a really interesting look into a different culture and 
family and it's I loved it. Um, really just one of the most interesting films I saw. And then a film from earlier this year, and this is a special movie to me because of how much fun Shy and I had watching it together, is Shazam. Uh, so that, that stays up there as a top movie just because of like the whole experience of like going to see it and how much we loved it. And we're huge fans of Chuck slash Zachary Levi. So for us, it was really fun to see him in that role. And then um, my last favorite movie of 2019 is one I haven't actually seen yet, but I assume I'm going to love it. So Little Women. So that I'm going to say is my you know, in my top five, haven't actually seen it, planning on seeing it, planning on loving it. So. God, for that movie's amazing. I want to see that so bad. So it's one of my all-time favorite stories. Huge Greta Gerwig fan. So I just feel like it's got to come together, you know? Um, yeah. Those are my top five. Choices. Excellent choices. Thank you. Yeah, I haven't seen Little Women yet, but I think Brielle's going to make me go see it. I thought you say she's going to make me. Like, you don't want to see it? I, mean, I use make in quotes. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's going to make me. That's like so my kids wanted to make me see Frozen 2. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least like you have someone to actually go see it with you. I'm probably going to go see Little Women alone. I'm going to feel really off. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I went to go, or the most awkward I've ever felt in the theaters when I went to go see, which which one was it? It was, was a it? Winnie the Pooh movie. Yeah. By myself. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I went, I, I walked up to the, the theater and I'm like, hey, I need a ticket for Winnie the Pooh. And the person selling the tickets kind of like stood up and like tried to look to see if I had a kid with me. <laughs> Oh Stop boy! And then they called the police. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would have been way less embarrassing. <laughs> but that's a great top five. That is. Thank you. All right, let's see next. You, you want me to go? Well, I'll go next because I can say that my top two are the same as Becky's: Jojo Rabbit, set in World War Two about a kid who's raised as a Nazi whose best friend is an ima- is his imaginary friend, which is Hitler. And it it obviously is not a pro-Nazi movie. It's about the kid's evolution and, and the characters and people that he interacts with throughout World War II. And it's just a beautiful movie. And I can't say enough about Taika Waititi being amazing. And very, very funny. And very, very funny in the particular... Because, again, the way you describe it, it sounds like it could be a very heavy drama, and it has those elements... But it's really yeah. Scarjo, Sam Rockwell, they bring it. It's a beautiful movie. Um, Rise of Skywalker is my number two. Then I loved Ready or Not. I don't know if you guys saw that, but Ready or Not with uh, Samara Weaving and a whole bunch of Canadian actors that I love because there's something, Becky, there's something super Canadian about that movie, right? I don't know what I haven't it's seen it oh, yet, okay. but I love me a good Canadian movie. But it's an hour and a half. It's hilarious. It's violent. I love horror comedy. It was one of the best surprises of my year. I loved it. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then you said we could do five or six, right? One, two, three, four. Oh, no. Once Upon a Time was number four. And number five is Blinded by the Light, which uh, is that movie about, you know, the Springsteen songs and the kid, the kid raised in London. 
And uh, that was kind of one of the, I've been trying to push my kids who are eight and six to watch like slightly more grown up movies now. And we watched that together and it was my way to introduce them to the music and, and they loved it. And so much so that my eight year old watched it by herself the other day. So I felt like that that's like a significant pop culture moment for my family. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I've really want, been wanting to see Ready or Not. Yeah, I have too. And I've been debating whether to go get it on, on like Redbox. So now I might. <laughs> oh, it's a total. I mean, so we have a rating system on our show buy, rent, or meh, right? It's like buy it. Like I'd put it in my DVD collection, rent, Redbox in your case, or stream or something like that. And then meh is complicated, but for, for our show, but. But it's a hundred percent a buy, ready or not. A hundred percent a buy, as far as I'm concerned. I bought it the moment it came out on digital. So if it's a buy, Kale's probably going to wait until I buy it, and then he gets. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or 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 you know or rent it. Either way, it's terrific. I stand. By, that's my biggest one. I stand by that and JoJo. Like Rise of Skywalker, I get people are going to be, you know, mixed about, but I I stand by those two as, hundred percent wins when when they recommend them to people. Nice. Another great list. Yeah, that's a real good one. All right, Rose. Okay. All right, so I'm going to actually do five to one. I'm going to build up. (laughs) All right, so at number five, I have Frozen 2. Really? Yeah. So so may I just, because I'm a fan of your show, can I just, I I like, I I don't, I'm known to be critical, but you mentioned the other was it no it wasn't Rose was it Caleb who was complaining about the Avatar Airbender component of Ray channeling the Jedi's? I think that was me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then Rose, you're forgiven because I felt like Frozen Two lifted a lot from the Airbenders. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with down there. <laughs> I'll be quiet now. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, at number four, I feel this is going to piss Caleb off. Toy Story. Gosh damn it. I'm sorry. Woody has been my favorite character, Disney character, ever since I was a little kid. So seeing him get, I feel like, a perfect wrap-up to his story just makes me love this. Really? That's so interesting, okay, that you feel that him going off to be a lost toy is the wrap-up to his story. All right. But I would say, Good to know it's satisfying. I, I would say that there's some childlike wonder happening here. It makes me really happy. Yeah, no, I, this is, this list so far, I'm loving it. I have not had a chance to see Frozen 2, and I don't fully agree with Woody's ending, but it makes me happy that you found joy in it. So it, I feel like at least it's serving, you know, some people. So that's great. We have broken down both of these movies, and both of them, that's not even like the right order. We gave Frozen a higher score than Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was the Albro score. That wasn't personal <laughs> score. <laughs> yeah, we're you doing personal. On this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> uh, all right, at number three, I got Spider-Man: Far From Home. Ooh, okay. good choice. That was a very good sequel, and Jake as Mysterio. Yes, I did. Didn't you feel like with his performance, he was so excited to be in the movie? Like, yes. I felt like Jake, like there's so many a- big actors out there that they want to get into these superhero movies and they're like resistant to it. And you're like, will I ever see Keanu Reeves in one of them? You know, things like that. You felt like Hall was like, yes, I'm so excited to be here. 
really appreciated that about him. I thought he was perfectly cast as Mysterio, but because of like the excitement level that I could like feel with his performance, I'm kind of bummed out that he was a villain. <laughs> like I kind of wanted him to, I wanted him to bring that into like a, some, like some hero. I don't know All which right. one, but, but just because I know that the heroes would like get multiple movies and whatnot, but he did. I think really he'll be back. Oh, I, I think, think he'll I be think back. He'll I be think back. We're gonna see some Sinister Six he's, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. He's he'll be back. So I really hope so. Because I'd uh, love to see him and him and Keaton team up. Oh, oh. Yes. oh. damn! I can't wait for the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, I got Joker. Okay. I I can't say like no, nothing but good things about this movie. I have no problems with this movie. Other than it being super dark. <laughs> True. It's very dark. It's a very dark movie. And then at number one, literally ever since I saw it, Avengers End. Oh, okay, good. Good, good. <laughs> Just the perfect route. Res- respectable list. Respectable list. I like Thank it. You. Well, damn, I feel like that. I feel like so far we're really like covering a lot I, of ground I, I, here. I gotta say, I love that you have Frozen Two and Joker in the same list. Like, that makes me so happy. <laughs> it, shows, it shows your range. It yeah. shows your range. I will. I will say that. Some I love. <laughs> uh, so my top three is exactly the same as yours. So number Ooh. one, Endgame. Uh, number two, Joker, and then number three, Far From Home. Uh, my number four though is Rocket Man. Ooh, oh, that was lovely. Really, that was great. Taron Egerton. I thought I watched amazing. that. I watched that like a month ago. I don't know how I already forgot about it. It's a great movie. Yeah, and then my number five, and I've really enjoyed this movie is Captain Marvel. Uh, that movie I enjoyed it, but it's gone down for me. I had fun with it. I did too, but I had like, a lot of fun. Grade wise, it's, it's like honestly, I think I enjoyed the Rise of Skywalker. What? Sorry, I'm with, sorry. Bro. I'm with for, I'm with Rose on that, but I liked both of those movies a lot. <laughs> both of you are wrong. Then Caleb's about to punch me. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Like, my my big issue with Captain Marvel is not that movie. It is how she is used in Endgame, because she's like the 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 the, char- the character kind of gets undone by the fact that she takes down Thanos's entire ship with like one punch, and then they've got other people chasing Thanos during this fight. Yeah, that's a good point. Her, but within her story, within her story, I thought that was she was great. Yeah, they kind of overpowered her just a little bit. Yeah, like she took a a headbutt from Thanos. Like I've seen Thanos do that to her in the comics, and it doesn't end up very well in her favor. But, they uh, did but she doesn't oh. just like take it. Oh. Oh, okay. Like, so I'm that's a person hater, but I feel if Brie Larson got knocked like halfway across the wherever they uh, of Avengers tap whatever, I feel that probably made a lot of people happy. 
Yeah, I think I think she was incredibly charming in that movie. Like so funny and her delivery's great. I think she was great. <laughs> Plus Ben Mendelssohn yeah. is a scroll. Oh man. That was oh, great. Oh, I love the Talos. Or that's Talos. Yeah. I thought it was Talos. Is it Talos? Or is it Talos? One whatever it is. I love him. He's great. He's awesome. He was great. <laughs> Okay, so that's our top five of the year yep, of 2019. Okay, and now top anticipated for 2020. All right, who is going first? We should just do bring it back around. Okay. All right, so I'm very, very excited to see the upcoming Pixar film Onward. Um, my husband worked on it for like three years is a huge part of our life and I am I am so 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 excited to see it I think it's going to be absolutely amazing um so I'm very pumped that's like the number one movie I'm excited to see um oh my I'm sorry what can I ask a question really quickly yes oh I'm sorry what part did your husband uh, play so he so he is a storyboard artist and he um, was in the storyboard department on that film since the very early days of it. Um, so he does, you know, like the they get like the script pages and they actually draw out shot for shot what the film is going to look like. And over the course of many years, they sort of redrafted and redrafted and the story changes and the scenes change. And so the story, the storyboard artists tend to be kind of a part of the um depending on the on the film and on the director, they, they'll help shape the actual film. And so he worked on that for, I think it was two and a half years or three years. So two, two years, three years, something like that. So I'm really, really excited to finally see it. Um, I think it's coming out, I want to say in March, right? Yeah, I think so. Soon, just, just a couple months, yeah. You just so. got all types of excited. <laughs> oh, ditch me in a heartbeat to go work at Pixar. <laughs> um, anyone should ditch whatever they're doing in a heartbeat to go work at Pixar. It is like a playground for adults. It is a magical, magical place to work. Um, totally wonderful. So, um, yes. Uh, if you have the opportunity, you know, ditch whatever you're doing to go <laughs> to go get a job. <laughs> it's very special. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very very excited for that the The next one there's this documentary com- coming out that was just announced uh, called You Cannot Kill David Arquette now you guys I'm guessing don't quite remember because I'm not sure you were even alive when this happened <laughs> but in when Shy and I were, were teenagers when we were younger right we must have been teenagers David Arquette actor started a career as um, as a wrestler and I think this movie is about his wrestling career or his current comeback um, in wrestling. Because I think he started wrestling again about a year ago, right, Shai? Something like that? Uh, something like that. Well, yeah. Did you guys ever see Ready to Rumble? No. So Ready to Rumble is it like a WCW, which was a wrestling company uh, a while ago before he were born. Um, uh, they, they were the big competitor to WWE or WWF when we were kids. And they part, they did all sorts of like stunt things. And one of them was they partnered with and made a movie where like all of their, like the place like behind the scenes and David Arquette is in it as this guy who wants to be a wrestler. 
Um, and he said, this is a documentary about David Arquette's wrestling career. And I think it's actually quite serious and dramatic and really tells the story of him as a wrestler. And for Shai and myself, it taps into a very particular moment in pop culture that we experienced and his story. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to see it. It looks like it's going to be so well made. Um, I, I don't know if they've announced where it's going to like premiere yet or or when but i know it's coming out next year because i read a couple articles about it um so i'm very excited about that there's um comedy that i'm really excited to see with uh um uh julia louis dreyfus and will ferrell called downhill that looks awesome i'm so excited for that i will take them anytime anywhere i will watch those two and i can't even imagine them teamed up I feel like my head's going to explode. Um, there's another movie. I don't know what it's about. I haven't even <laughs> seen a preview for it. All I know. You heard about it from me. I heard about it from you. It was probably where I like looked it up. What is this movie? But one of my favorite. Act, I can't even say some fa- my favorite actor. But he plays one of my favorite characters in the entire world. Is going to be in this movie. So Bloodshot. Shy, you'll have to tell us what it's about. I think that I'm not sure if it's on your list or not too. But Sam Hewen is in that movie, and I am so excited to see it. Even though I don't know what it's about. So you have two on your most anticipated, where you have no idea what they're about. Um. So no. you really, you really don't listen to like Rotten Tomatoes doesn't sway you. You're just like, I'll see it. Oh, I this is a good setup for when we talk about I could, cats. I could not care less about critics or Rotten Tomatoes or any of like my peer opinions. I have very, very strong opinions, and I stand by them. And then, lastly, uh, Denny Villeneuve is making Dune. This is a huge deal that Dune is finally being made, and that of all people, it's Denny Villeneuve. He is by far one of my favorite directors. I love absolutely everything that guy has made, except for the, um, what's it called? The Blade Runner sequel? All right. It's not really, but whatever. Very excited to see it. Timothy Chalamet is going to be in it. There's just like, I think the stakes are pretty, pretty high with that one. Um, so uh, we'll see, but I'm very excited. So that that's my list. With the number four, what was the bloodshot? Bloodshot, yeah. Yeah, Shy, can you tell us? Do you know what Bloodshot so, is? So Bloodshot's on my list. Bloodshot, so there's this comic book company <laughs> in the 90s called Valiant Comics. And and in, and I'm a big comic book fan. My best friend Josh and I, we collected comics like crazy. I love Marvel. I love DC. Fine. But at the same time that Image Comics were created, Valiant was created. And Valiant was had the best stories and best characters. Now, I wouldn't say Bloodshot was the best of all of the characters, but he's really cool mercenary with super nanite blood that's injected into his body and his chest, which is why he's like a huge red splotch on his chest. And he's like a super soldier. And Vin Diesel's in it. And I just love that. I mean, it'll probably... Honestly, I'm not sure it's going to be a good movie, but seeing these comic books brought to the screen makes me so happy that uh, I'm, 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 I'm excited for it. Uh, so that's Bloodshot. I think I have seen the the trailer for that. It's just yeah, like, I thought it looked really cool, but I'm like, it's also gonna. I feel it's gonna be one of those movies you just kind of got to shut your brain off to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be like it's probably gonna be like Hitman or Agent Forty Seven or Assassin's Creed, like any of those other. Like, it's not a video game movie, but the way they're making it, I mean, maybe it'll be. I don't know. It could have a little minority reportness about it. Um. 
I'm psyched for Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I yeah, sorry, no, which kind of looks like Stranger Things three point five, which I'm fine with. Uh, Tenet, the new Nolan movie. Just tell Mm -hmm. me, just tell me Nolan and John David Washington. I don't care what it's about. Don't know what it's about. Seems like there's a guy with a CPAP machine on, in the in all the commercials. (laughs) Whatever. So I'm excited for that, and then I'm psyched for. So Becky mentioned Onward, so I'm gonna like cheat by not mentioning Onward, only because I just read the description of the next Pixar movie coming out called Soul Online, and it's about a jazz musician who leaves his body, and it's being done by Pete Docter. Beck, is it being done by Pete Docter, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. who did Inside Out? Is that correct? And so yeah, he I did mean, Inside Out I'm, and I'm, um and Up. I'm so over he the... kind of does these really like offbeat stories that are unexpected. Yeah, I, I don't like Up, but I I love Inside Out. And you don't like the first five minutes of Up. <laughs> I, I also don't like the the talking dog part or the old man part or the little oh, okay. kid part. I don't like yeah. any of Up. Um, and then for my fifth slot, I think I have a fifth slot. I'm gonna go with a pretty obscure looking movie that's coming out called VFW, and I. Don't know why anyone. Would, I think it might have come in festivals, but it, but but it's not coming out to, to the general public until it's coming on demand. I think in January. And do you guys know the Karate Kid? The original or the remake? The, the original, and then Cobra Kai, the TV show. Oh yeah, I haven't watched Cobra Kai, but I've watched all the uh, the Karate Kids. Okay, so you know the evil sensei John Kreese, Martin Cove. Mm-hmm. So it's him and William Sadler, who's another character actor, and they play a bunch of like old army dudes who are hanging out at the VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars kind of hangout club. And it's some sort of like midnight siege where they have to like fight their way out till dawn kind of thing. And it's a bunch of it's oh, um, what's his name? I think Richard Roundtree is in it. Um, it. It's got like just like a bunch of old grizzled like the expendables, but the real expendables, like not really famous guys, just like really great character actors. But why I love it is that Martin Cove, who plays John Kreese, was at Awesome Con, which is the big DC, the, the DC area Comic Con. And uh, he I, I met him and he was like the nicest, cutest little old Jewish grandpa you've ever met. He is nothing like the sensei at all he's like this hilarious adorable guy who took pictures with my kids and and wrote you know wrote autographs for everybody he didn't even charge us for everything he was just like the nicest person and uh he was telling us about how he was making that movie uh right before right before then and uh so i've been super intrigued since then just because i like you know i want to support him because he turned out to be the nicest guy ever that's awesome i love when you meet someone that you kind of like look up to in a way and they end up being like exactly what you think they're going to be. Yeah. Or even better. I don't like meeting like famous people that are right here. I'm very judicious about which ones I meet because if it's a bad interaction, it haunts me forever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. It's like, my like dad Becky and, I and Peter Facinelli. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a, I, I'm once, I once, uh, uh, at Shai's insistence, I repeated an iconic line from a nineties movie to a 90, to, to an actor, um, and was met with just, just like, like no, 
so stone cold, no reaction, no acknowledgement that he was in this movie, that this line existed. It wasn't like, it wasn't even that it was embarrassing. It was surreal. The moment where I was like, Oh God. And it was, it was quite terrible. Um, so yeah, I would say it, it was a bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Be careful, be careful meeting your heroes. Be careful what you say to them. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm sweating next comic con. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my dad and I uh, went to a comic con a couple years ago and met Lou Ferrigno. Oh yeah, he pops up a lot. He's great. I felt like when I did meet him that I got profiled a little bit because I was the one that drug my dad there. Like my dad is like a big Lou Ferrigno, like Incredible Hulk fan, but I'm like a huge Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk fan. Really? Wow. Yeah, I actually. At just finished the, the series on Hulu not too long ago. Rewatched it, and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I feel the show holds up. <laughs> but yeah, when we met, I was oh, he's great, he's awesome. Like I would go see him again, like cool in our. Oh, I hope he does, dude. Now, Jeremy Renner needs to come to Sully Comic Con again. <laughs> All right, so for my top five, uh, number one, I got Halloween Kills. Really? Yeah, I know. I kept, I could not decide between Ghostbusters after, Afterlife and Halloween Kills, but I I don't think I've actually ever seen anything from Jason Reitman, so I don't know how this directing style is. So I'm very excited, but still like a little hesitant. But with Halloween Kills, I've seen how uh, David Gordon Green, uh, what direction he wants to take Michael Myers in. I'm actually pretty darn excited. Haven't gotten the trailer yet, but stoked for this movie. And they seriously better explain how the hell he got out of that basement. Because there's, <laughs> I don't know how the hell he got out of there. And his mask better be somewhat burned. Come on. Yeah, it, it has to be. Um, and number two, I got Ghostbusters Afterlife. So excited for this movie. So glad that they're keeping it in the original timeline. And like you said, it's Stranger Things 3.5, but I'm honestly okay with that too. <laughs> uh, number three, I got Black Widow. Very excited for that. And I would love if we got somewhat of a tease of what happened in Budapest between Hawkeye and Black <laughs> Widow. That'd be nice. Uh, number four, I don't, I honestly didn't know what to put in my number four, number five. So number four, I put the third SpongeBob movie. Are you shitting me? No, there was a second it. one? Ugh. Yeah, there was. I know a lot of people didn't see it. Wow. I, you know how I know I like you? Because you say things that upset me so profoundly and it makes me like you more, Rose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> never heard someone say that to me. It's so sweet. It's just, because I, I love people who are, I love when people are fans of things. It just makes me happy. Even if I'm not into it, I'm like, yeah, you, you go get that third SpongeBob movie, man. Uh, then at number five, even though I hate the voice of one of the characters, I got Scoob. Scoob? Yeah. 
like which, which, vo- which voice do you hate which voice actor um i don't like the voice of shaggy because i don't think he sounds anything like shaggy who's doing the voice of shaggy well it's like a kid shaggy uh, right it's like shaggy in like middle school before he was like his voice cracked well, i don't no, I can't. I don't know how old they're supposed to be in it. So I know they're doing like a, a thing where they're younger kids. So kind of like the uh, a pup named Scooby Doo aged. Mm. Yeah, and then and then the like adults and the or is it the is guy it? voicing Shaggy is uh, Will Forte? Yes. Well, yeah, he doesn't do. Doesn't do a great job. <laughs> it, it just still kind of bugs me that they didn't even ask Matthew Lillard. Oh, I love Matthew like, Lillard mm-hmm. as the live action Shaggy. He was fantastic. Was, he was, and like he even took. I found like I can't believe he took to like Twitter and he's just like, "Well, thanks for the invite, guys. Appreciate it." Yeah, he found out about the Scooby Doo movie when they announced the cast. Yeah, never asked nothing. The only one that original that's coming back is Frank Welker. Well, that's because yes. Frank, Frank, I mean, when we, we're talking about Frank Welker, we're talking about one of the most important legendary voice actors in human history. What was I watching with my kids the other day where we were looking at the, the, the voice list of some old thing? And sure enough, Frank Welker's in there. He is in everything. He honestly really is. If you go on IMDb, it's amazing how many roles he's credited for. Yeah, he does a lot. It's insane. All right, Caleb, let's hear him. All right, my my top five. Okay, so my number one is Black Widow. All right. I'm really excited for Black Widow. Taskmaster is one of my favorite villains from the... He He's up there. Like, he's up there. Did he have a bow in the comics? Uh, I don't think he has a bow. So can I just call him Evil Hawkeye? No, <laughs> you cannot call him Evil Hawkeye. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for that one. Um, my number two, like I said, I cheated a little bit. It chose a show I want, or is Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. And this isn't one that I'm like out of all the things. Disney announced this isn't the thing I'm most excited for, but I'm Hawkeye. excited for huh? Better be Hawkeye. No, it's I No, She Hulk. Hey, Whoa. forget you. <laughs> um I thought no, they put She Hulk on ice. I thought I thought it got I thought that they, they balked on She Hulk TV show. So they're making it a Disney Plus show. Oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I'm excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mostly because this is going to be our first MCU TV show yeah. of sorts, and this is gonna it's gonna set the bar for all the other shows. Speaking of Disney Plus, did you see the Disney WandaVision to this year? Yes. So, but you're still more excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm more excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Only because it sets it's going to set the bar for the other shits. Okay, and hopefully it does a good job. I'm like I'm hoping it like lives up to the level that Mandalorian's currently at. I hope so. Even though I haven't seen the show yet, Mandalorian's good. You need to. Mando's good. Mando's good. 
It's the thing. It's the thing holding the Star Wars universe together right now, or the fandom. <laughs> That's what everyone says. I don't even think it's the Mandalorian. Well, baby Yoda's himself. using the Force Yoda. to keep everybody stitched together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number three is the Eternals. Oh, that's actually finally coming out. What do you mean it's finally coming out? Well, didn't or wait? No, I'm th- I'm sorry. I'm thinking of um, uh, what's that? Like that Marvel Fox movie that kept getting pushed back. Like they released it. Oh, the New, Mutants. New Mutants. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that one's ever going to get released. <laughs> Maybe they can put that on Disney Plus. Go. <laughs> Maybe it's like whatever. Cut our losses and just throw it on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for the Eternals. I think the cast is really good with how big names of that they're going to have for the Eternals. I'm kind of hoping this is kind of a one-off for them because, and I hope that a lot of these actors and actresses like that are very, like Angelina Jolie and Penelope Cruz and all of them. Or no, it's Salma Hayek. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, isn't it Salma Hayek? I'm dumb. Yeah, I hope they don't cheese it up. I'm af- like, I'm afraid that they got chosen because they're such big names, and I'm afraid that they're going to just like overdo it. I really hope they don't, because <laughs> that's not going to be a great introduction to Phase Four. Yeah, not even a little bit. Um, my number four, surprisingly, is Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. You know what? That was my number six, so I can. Uh, I'm okay with that. Okay. Hey, man, why not? That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah, with I was going to go see it either way. With like when they before they did the the, the CGI fix on him, because I'm like, okay, this looks so bad, it kind of. I feel it would be good, but now that they fixed it, I'm like all in. I love Sonic. Even if it's like, even if it gets terrible reviews, I still owe a movie ticket to the studio for actually listening. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a really great point. That's a really great point. Yeah. If they're going to take the time to fix something that that's that huge. Yeah. It's worth a ticket. Yeah. They've earned 10 bucks from me. (laughs) Yeah, if they would have just kept it how it was, it that would be like a five dollar Tuesday movie. But this well, this is like a because the movie was originally supposed to come out come out uh, last month in December. So honestly, before they did the redesign, so honestly, I think that's actually a good thing that they moved it to February because I don't think it would have done that well with like the Rise of Skywalker, and all these things coming Cats. out. Yes, people would have been like, which furry animal movie am I going to see? Hedgehog or Cats? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then last, my number five is Mulan. Oh, I was I was going to put that. I was thinking of putting that on my list. I'm, uh, I'm very curious about yeah. that one. I, I, was, I, was... I hope that they throw in Mushu. I thought they confirmed they, that they're not. They, they, well, they, they showed a flying dragon in the commercial. So, I mean, he may not be, like, talking like Eddie Murphy. But... Yeah, well, they, they introduced might... the concept of magic. If they don't throw in, a little, like, little Mushu, 
That sucks. I, I think it's going to yeah. be... My prediction based on the little glimpse I saw in the commercial is that it's going to be more like the spirit guardian animal in Coco mm. or the tiger in Aladdin. And it, like, like it's going to be a badass Mushu that sort of protects her, right? Because Mushu, if I believe, is like her sort of guardian from the elders thing. That's where he comes from in the original movie. So for me, I mean, I, they might not call him Mushu. He might have a different name, but I bet you there's <laughs> going to be a dragon that somehow protects her or inspires her or something like that. So in the the Mulan movie, Mushu's actually sent to go wake up the great dragon spirit that's supposed to protect Mulan, and he ends up like breaking his head. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I forgot about that. It's like, oh, uh, okay. And then he tells the ancestors that he's going to go, he pretends to be the great dragon spirit and just like let's yeah. go Some, he goes the, the vibe this. of the vibe of that commercial did not suggest they're gonna do like donkey from shrek hijinks correct yeah very true but i hope we just we just get some sort of mushu that's all i'm hoping for just some some kind but the, i'll keep my fingers the, crossed for you <laughs> but the music for it like I know it's like always got it's an instrumental well they've done like instrumentals of like the songs and those all sound great so I'm pretty excited for this movie you know what that movie needs you know what that movie needs it needs a co-authored Taylor Swift Andrew Lloyd Webber song that it does it that really wants to like be put our... over our just like favorite our... favorite movie of the year, our real favorite movie of the year. Would you yes. say it was really one of your real favorites? I, I almost put it in my top five, but Blinded by the Light edged it out. But it's in my top ten of the year for sure. Oh, it's for sure it's in my top ten. And the main reason <laughs> these poor gentlemen look like they're gonna pass out that we're saying this. It, <laughs> like, it who wasn't are these people? so much because in the moment I was enjoying it so much, which I was. Is that since having seen the movie, it has ignited, reignited my childhood love and obsession with cats. And I've been listening to the soundtrack. I've been singing the songs to myself, to my husband, to my kids. I'm just singing it all the time. I've gone back and I've watched the 1998 film version of the stage play. I've looked up to see where it's touring. Is it coming to my city? Can I even go see it again? And so what I realize is that it's one of those movies where it's not just that you're having so much fun. Like I said, if you just submit yourself to the experience and you don't fight it, it's that afterwards, it's like a little it's like a little earworm and it just sticks with you and you're just like you're feeling like a little bit of a jellical cat, you know? You're just like, uh, you want to party and dance all the time. So I have to go now. I have to jet. Uh, I have two small children that need to be fed. Um, But I want to, like, Shai has my very detailed notes as to everything I loved about this movie and why, what my favorite parts were. So I'm going to, like, hand that off to him and you can speak for me. But just wanted to leave you with that sort of, you know, um, that the that headline of yes, 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 cats. Bye, bye, bye. This is a movie that I want in my iTunes library and I can turn it on anytime and just have like a little song and dance hit 
of fantasy and wonderment and surrealism and zaniness and uh, just feel like uh, feel a little feel like a little jellical cat for a few minutes. Um, so thanks for having me on guys. I'm sorry. I have to leave early. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this is super fun and shy. I, I leave it to you. You got it back. Thank you right, for, bye. thank you for coming to defend. All right. The magic of yes. cats. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. With your big brother. Bye. Later. Okay, well, with that, let's say we get into the main event. Let's do it. Time for the main event. It's main event time. Let's play game. Now, one of my talents which you don't have to do, but like I did this to our other sister the other day. Sorry. How does your main event start? Did I just cut you off as you were starting? No, you're good. Oh, okay. One of my main talents is that I actually like, I was talking to our other sister on the phone and I was driving and we we're talking about the movie. And I was like, you know, I can list all of the cats by memory. Maybe not all of them, but most of them by memory. And I listed like all the, not all the names, but like so many cats that she says to me, she goes, do you realize you've listed not only all the cats in the movie, but ones from multiple different productions that don't necessarily reappear in different productions? And I was like, yeah, I know. That's <laughs> I can do I can do Star Wars and cats. It's a very weird talent. I can only name four cats. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. I can't name any. <laughs> they don't say a lot. They don't say all of their I... names in the, in the movie. So I have been... And this is before this movie was even announced. I am not a fan of cats. Did you see? And this is because I am phobically afraid of them. Oh, my wife would agree with you. That's how. That's kind of how she feels about the play. She doesn't like the animal. Doesn't like the play. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I've shared this before. I shared the story. Like we did an episode way back when of we try to make a like a dream cast. So like how we would make our most irrational fear, a scary movie. Ooh, that's cool. And so, yeah. So it's our fear dream cast. I forget what episode that is, but my fear is cats. I hate cats. And I owned two of them at one point. Like it was after I got married, I got the cats because I wanted to make my life happy. And the only reason that I felt that they weren't like attacking me or like killing me in my sleep was because they somehow knew that I paid for their food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so we've, we gave them away to some nice lady and I, (laughs) I don't go over there because I'm like, they know I don't provide for them anymore. Look, I'm not going to debate that cats in real life are scheming against their masters. There's no question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the cats in the movie kind of allude to that. True. Yeah, so... We actually have some messages from our bros. So I posted a question of the week. Oh, let me find it. He's like gotten like a ton of tweets from 
<laughs> Actually, it's from you guys talking about cats. <laughs> yes, you're like, well, that's what that was our trick. We flooded your feed. No, we didn't, but we flooded your feed. So the only messages about cats you have are for me and Becky. So let me see if I can find it. <laughs> I forgot what I asked. <laughs> okay. So our question of the week was, if possible, how would you change the movie to make it more appealing? And I meant, like, more to the masses, because I think a lot of people were just, like, disturbed at the CGI. Yeah, so I, thought you, I thought it was a really thoughtful question. I thought I thought I, I give a lot of respect for you guys, considering that like you're going into this not liking this movie. Your commitment to you know asking a real question, I thought was was honorable. <laughs> yeah, we we try. <laughs> so let's start off. So the first one that we got is from. The unknown critic at a underscore nani underscore mouse. And his answer was not start cat threads. <laughs> 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 and then I told I had to tell I like I respond I try to respond to everyone to make it like that's good more fun. I told him that I wish, but we don't make the rules. I just or I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people have come back at me and being like, "It's your podcast," and I'm like, "They're not." Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one we got is from Victims and Villains from at Victims and Villains. Uh, they oh, said, I, think I, "I follow uh, those guys." Yeah, so they said uh, probably a bit more structure, and I asked them to clarify, which they did, which was awesome. Uh, they yeah, said the cool. original play, yeah, they're way cool. The they said the original play was thirty or forty minutes longer. Uh, doesn't sound like much, but could help the story flow a bit better. It just feels choppy. I'd have to agree on that. I, I would have been fine with another thirty minutes. If those damn people that were next to us left. Oh my gosh. Those people. Okay, you know, I, I, I got to touch upon this. Maybe I do need to go see this movie a second time because I feel they ruined my experience. Were they for or against the movie? They literally, so they literally talked to the whole movie. They had their cell phones on and literally like halfway through the movie, they just started wrestling with each other. The, no theater etiquette at all. That's so. We what's really interesting is Becky and I went to see it at a theater in Berkeley. And that, for, that was the second time I saw it. The first time she saw it, and it was packed. First of all, I, it, was, it was totally full. Everyone was going in with a good attitude, but the person sitting next to her was like very serious about it. Now she didn't know we were serious about it, but Becky and I were talking through the previews because this was like the fourth movie I'd seen in a week, so I'd seen all the previews that were out there. And she turns to Becky right before it starts, and it's like, "You better not talk this whole movie." So Becky was afraid to say anything for the whole movie. Um, and, and I, I, I talked, but only in moments of like cheering and sort of having fun, not, and my, and like to talk to my kids who like they, they clapped after a number of the scenes. They were so excited. Awesome. Yeah. Some people just don't have theater, theater etiquette. Yeah. This is me off. Um, the next response we got is from Movie Muggin. 
at Movie Muggin, and they said lots and lots of catnip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like more more like psychedelic cat experiences for the audience. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> they went when Taylor Swift to just come up with a bucket of it and smear it on the crowd. <laughs> I, that one I left for interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask them to clarify and I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> that one's, that one's perfect the way it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Uh, next, we got Movies on My Mind podcast at Movies OMM. And they said if the movie decided to focus more on Grizabella's story and provided more background on her relationship with McCavity, that would have added more emotional weight to her character. So, so these also- are, I want to say, these are amazing tweets. If I may dig in on the Grizabella thing for a moment. So one of the changes is it all right? Am I not miss? I'm not messing up your show, right? No, you're good. Please go. So okay. So one of the so the movie makes a bunch of changes to the play, which I have seen four times live, right? And and then watched a million times on DVD. Um, And one of the changes it makes is it takes the character of Bomb Ballerina, who is Taylor Swift's character, who is one of the good guys in the in the play. It's she and another female who is not in the really in the movie is sort of a side character is not really in the movie so much are the are two of the main females in the tribe. And she is a a, a rejector. She's like a little bit intrigued by uh, by McCavity, but she's generally the person who's warning people about McCavity. And if anything, she's got a flirtation with the Rum Tum Tugger. They made her McCavity's sort of like teammate and and they also said that Grizabella ended up sort of like down and out because she had went with McCavity. I think had they teased that Grizabella thread up just a little bit and connected it to the fact that Taylor Swift's character was potentially headed down that bad road as well, you would have drawn a really nice link between those characters and that change to make Taylor Swift's character a henchman of McCavity. So I think there's a that there's a lot of depth to that particular comment. It didn't bother me because, like, spoiler alert, this movie has so much more story and clearer story than the play that I was just thrilled to have that much story. But I think that that listener has an awesome point there. Yeah, they go on to say that also more detail on Robbie Fairchild's character. He was in most of the movie, but without a purpose. No, man. Monkestrap, man. Monkestrap is the, he's like the, he is the leader of the tribe in like, she's like the number two. He's the, the narrator of the play. He's the first cat you kind of see in the play. In fact, they upgraded his role in the movie. They, they took a bunch of the rum tum, or at least the versions I've seen, the rum tum tugger sings a lot of the parts and they, they really centralized him as like the guy running the ship in the absence of old Deuteronomy. So I feel like that was, I mean, how, how, um, how like literal do we need to be? Did, what did you guys think? Did you guys? catch on that he was kind of like the dude in charge walking you through the cats or were you confused i caught on a little bit but i was still kind of a little bit confused i was confused through most of this movie (laughs) because i i hadn't had no other interaction with this play or anything before this movie so 
I think there's a lot of things that people knew that I didn't. Yeah. So and he's, then there was just like but, a lot of assumption in this movie that I mean, it's like, I, oh, you probably already know this when we don't. I mean, I'll, to be fair, I think that's a great point. I also know when I was 11 and I saw the play, I immediately knew that that was his role. I was like, oh, who's that cat? He's my, because he, he is my favorite cat. So I've, I'm a big, I'm a big fan. And I thought Robbie Fairchild was amazing. I guess we'll get to that some more later, but so I dispute Uh that tweet, but wow, these are great in-depth tweets. You guys have the best listeners. Every person who listens to our show is like, cat sucks. (laughs) You guys are nuts. (laughs) Um, They also posted a tweet afterward and said, also get some talented costume designers to make suits rather than using CGI. That that is going to be I'll, I'll Becky's main point, or maybe we'll, we'll get to that later. But Becky would agree. Becky would say it. that was her main point about the movie. <laughs> yeah, the CGI was a little rough. Um. Okay, moving on to Instagram, we have a response from our other friend that was a guest on our beautiful day in the neighborhood wit underscore being open yeah so uh whitney openheisen i think that's how you say it i i I think that's how you say it we butchered it we are so (laughs) sorry that's how you say it (laughs) i'm gonna feel really bad uh she says oh this is a loaded one mulling it over on my long drive back west i think the answer may be live actor slash dancers instead of CGI ballerina cats, because nightmares. <laughs> this, can't really argue with her. The, the CGI was the roughest part of this. Yeah. I feel. It was. Uh, then our last response to this was from Taskmaster Peace. Um, and they said, make it animated and provide free medical marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I won't weigh in on the latter, but I, I, I would love to see a like cats universe, like Clone Wars. You know how like, you know how Clone Wars cleaned up a lot of the mess of the prequels, right? Like part of why we go back and we like the prequels more is because the Clone Wars has given so much depth to all those like random Jedi's that you saw for two seconds and to Obi-Wan and to Anakin's transition to the dark side. Right. I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying I could fund it personally, but I would be very interested in a, in, a, in, I don't know what, what network it would be on, you know, but like a, an animated series <laughs> explaining the lore, you know, a little in depth on maybe the, the leadership, struggle between Bunker Strap and other cats. I don't know. I could see Amazon picking that up. Not Amazon, I'm sorry, Netflix. Netflix? <laughs> Netflix picks everything up. They do. Netflix, yeah, they'll slap that Netflix original label on just yep. about anything. But going off of what Taskmaster Peace said and making it animated, we were actually talking about this on our way home from the movie. I thought that this would have been a lot better to consume if this was more like the Aristocats. Maybe like a, like a, more of a 3D animation. 
than what we got. <laughs> it was a little but, bit of a human. It was like a human robot hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I'm I would be scared about the Aristocats thing is I don't know like how they could pull the dancing off, but I feel they did pretty decent dancing in the Aristocats. They That's have true. like a big old jazz thing and there were cats dancing. I think if you went too like, realistic with the cats, it would be a little like odd. But if you kept it like like grounded in some like some sort of animation, yeah, then I think it would. I and think it could work. You would just need to get really creative with like a choreographer. Yeah, and at least with that, we would get a human butt crack sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, all I know, guys, is that just remember: every time you complain about things like human butt cracks on cats or the placement <laughs> of human genitals on cats, you take us one step further away from ever getting a Thundercats movie. Just, just remember: cats has to walk so Thundercats, Thundercats can run. <laughs> the Thundercracks. Thunder. The Thundercracks. Yes. I've actually never seen Thundercats, so I don't. Oh, I have, and I think that even Michael this, Bay won't it, touch it. He does got a point. Really? This this could be the stepping stones to Thundercats. Okay, I hope it is. I pray it is. If I have to deal with like a basically naked Idris Elba cat mutation, <laughs> I better get freaking Panthro Lionel <laughs> and Panthro. Come on, Idris Elba would make a great Panthro. Oh. Yeah, would. <laughs> I gotta watch this show now. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I hope. I hope that's the good thing that comes out of this movie. <laughs> All right. So, thank you to everyone that responded on our. Oh shit. Um, there's actually someone I needed to shout out. Okay, so last week with our Rise of Skywalker, there was someone that commented on it that barely missed it. Oh, damn. Yeah. And it's Let's Make a Horror Movie. And I believe they're on Twitter at LMAHMPod. So just wanted to shout out to them because I said I would. (laughs) So sweet. Anyway, back on track. So if you're new to our breakdown system, we've split the movie into eight different categories. Uh, We have it split into story, writing, acting, character development, effects, music, costumes, and then just give it our personal grade. Um, So... With acting, we usually go with individual actors, but everyone was, it was kind of like a group effort. Yeah. So I, I think we need to grade every one as a whole. Honestly, I, I don't know how to individualize. Oh, the acting? Person. I have character by character breakdown. I won't give you all of them, but we have it. My sister and I both have it. <laughs> oh. So, so. Sweet. So. Don't worry. I mean, you can do group, but I'll I'll be I'll be ready to play when we get to acting. <laughs> All right, cool. 
So let's get into the story where Rose is going to read us a synopsis of the movie. For all of you that have, all of you, all of you that have not seen the movie, this is going to get into some spoiler territory. But I feel like we've already gotten there. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, you probably saw the movie. <laughs> all right, so. In the streets of London, a white kitten named Victoria is abandoned by her owner. I just wanted to say, why did we need humans in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of felt a little out of place. I think I told you, I'm like, I hope that this human has a cat face. <laughs> so it's like they just swap the role. <laughs> Oh, that's one of the funniest things we've ever heard. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. All right. uh, a group of alley cats around witness this and introduce her into the world of the Jellicle tribe. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna... And we just talked about this cat's cat, Monk... uh, Monkestrap? Yeah, Monkestrap. Oh, it's Monkestrap? Okay, so I did say that right. A loyal Scottish Scoutish cat. Mr. Mistopheles, a meek magician who develops a romantic interest in Victoria at first sight, and Demeter and Cassandra, a duo of snooty bodyguards, take Victoria under their wing, telling her of their customs and the Jellicle Ball, an annual ceremony where many cats compete for the chance to go to the heavy side layer and be granted a new light. Life, not light, I'm sorry. <laughs> This movie basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh, So I will say I will just say the play really doesn't have any of the stuff you just mentioned. The the people that are watching are essentially the visiting cat. Victoria is already part of the tribe in the there that that element of story isn't there. So Victoria was used from a story perspective, as far as I can tell, as like the audience avatar. That she's the interloper who is has a more traditional name. I, I think you heard the part where. Where I think it's Cassandra says to her something to the effect of like, what? That's your name? The whole notion that the cats that have all these crazy names like Monkestrap and Mistopheles, these are not names known to humans. They're known in the world of cats. But she has kind of this pedestrian name. So she is used there to be your introduction and your journeying through her eyes, which, again, compared to the play, you don't have that opportunity. So, so you know, while we're talking about what purpose did it serve to have her three dropped in the bag? It was that. Okay. And, so I'm, and I'm not saying having uh, read this anywhere. This is just my interpretation, but it's pretty – I'm standing on solid ground here. Um. So question for you. So in the movie, I know – I think they touched upon that cats have three names. So yeah, so the cats have three names, and they, and they truncate – so they actually they shorten a bunch of the lore stuff, and they – bring about like and they take you through a more traditional story becky will tell you by the way she will tell you that the story in the movie is much stronger than that of the play and it made her like the play more my kids felt the same way they told me today on the drive home that they liked the movie more than the play because they they, there was more talking as they said there was more understanding it's a very abstract play it's a it's like a cirque du soleil type experience it's not a straightforward narrative um so the three names, there is the name that they're called in the house by like humans. So Victoria would be an example. 
And then there's the name that like they use, they talk about like to lift their head up, like cats lift their head up, like a, a name that's sort of like their cat culture name. So Monkestrap is one of the names they call out there. Um, or, um, and they actually leave out listing Bomb Ballerina from that, but her name is listed in the original one. Um, and then there is the third name, which is never spoken out loud. And it's this idea that going back to Caleb's cat fear, that when the cat is sitting and looking, and you don't think it's, you know, it's being aloof or it's in deep contemplation that it's essentially meditating on its one name that only it knows. And that's sort of like, think of it like it's mantra or it's like, it's connection to the force. And so it's this mysterious thing. And, and all of that stuff, I believe, comes from T.S. Eliot's poems, right? Remember, the lyrics to all of these plays are almost, almost unchanged from T.S. Eliot's ori- original poems, who is, you know, a lit- you know, a literary giant. Um, this wasn't like Andrew Lloyd Webber writing the, writing the words. Yeah. Cause I, I couldn't remember like what the third one was. So thank you. Yeah. That, that is there. And the third one's never revealed. It's just talked about in, okay. in your, in sort of as they're building the universe of the Jellicle cats. That's one of the elements of it. Okay. All right, so a group of Jellicles introduce Victoria to a handful of the competitors who show off their contributions to the community. Jenny Any Dots, a domestic tabby who boosts the productivity of mice and roaches. The Played by Tums- Rebel Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what was creepier, the cockroaches or the mice. Oh, man. So in the play, they're, they're actually... Like they act, the cats act out her song. So there's no roaches or mice. There's just cats picking up, like, it's almost like stomp. Like they pick up different toy story. Like they pick up garbage and stuff and they sort of wear boxes on their heads and pretend to be roaches to sort of like dance along with her. They don't actually show roaches. I thought that was one of the, like the moment she starts eating the humans dressed as roaches, I was like, Oh, okay. That's where we're going with this movie. We are, we're not (laughs) dialing it back. We are going deeper than the play ever, ever did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so creepy. It was insane. It was an insane choice, but I embraced the insanity of that. I was like, okay, we got Rebel Wilson eating human roaches. <laughs> Great start. <laughs> Truly. Uh, so the Rumtum Tugger, a Capricus, I think I said that one, right? Capricious. Capricious, thank you. Uh, Tom Cat, who riles up the others. Bustopher Jones. A- Your favorite? Your favorite was Bustopher Jones? I heard you talk yep. about him beforehand. <laughs> uh, actually, it's a toss-up between Bustopher Jones and uh, Mongol Jerry and Rumble Teaser. Oh, okay. I can't decide which are my favorite. That's it's cool. too hard. Person mine was uh, whichever one Ian McKellen played. Oh yeah, Gus, Gus. the theater cat. Mm-hmm. Good choice. He's 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 one of my dad's favorites. That was a good choice, and he did a great job. Uh, okay, I'm gonna butcher this word too. A bor- bourgeous bourgeois bourgeois. Wow, I really need to take English. <laughs> well. <laughs> That, that's a French word if it makes you feel better. I, oh, yeah. I grew up in Canada, so they, 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 they force us to speak French. Oh. Okay. Uh, so, who boasts about his weight and shares food from the garbage. Skimbleshanks, a tidy ginger cat who taps along the railway. Gus, an ancient theater cat who's played 
in some of the biggest theaters in history, and McCavity, a villainous stray who plans to kidnap the other contestants and reach the heavy side layer as a birthright. His first victim happens to be Jenny Any Dots when she refuses to follow the group when they dance and sing with Bustopher Jones. He charms her with a great Sorry. So I was going to say, just from a plot standpoint, this is another element of the plot that is elevated out of the play that is not that's from that's not from the play. In the in the play, McCavity is alluded to throughout the play, but you don't really know what he's up to other than he's a master of crime, and then he only kidnaps Deuteronomy. So by bringing in McCavity early, they actually establish his villainy, and you got some great scenery chewing Idris Elba in his trench coat, kidnapping all the different contestants again giving the story a much establishing the villainy of his character much stronger than when it kind of comes out of nowhere in the play. So again, I thought a really good choice that didn't undo the play, but gave you a little bit more. It actually kind of explains why like Jenny Annie dots and Buster Jones, they appear once in the play and then you don't see them again. So in a sense, they, they're actually threading through things that to make it make more sense and, and raise the stakes. If you will, I know you were concerned about the stakes in rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh, you really pay attention to the old rose. <laughs> I pay attention a lot better than we do <laughs> to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I. That was something. Like, I was wondering what he was, like, wanted for. <laughs> Well, he's the he's the Napoleon of crime. He's behind. He's basically like the mob boss. Mungo Jerry and Rubble Teaser roll up into his outfit. They 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 include Growl Tiger and Griddle Bone, even though those characters were adapted to be his henchmen, right? So there's this you know bad stuff that's happening around Trafalgar Square is all his doing. So it's touched upon that he's committed like. Human crimes does does that say that all in the play? I think like, I think it is. I think I think what they're implying is he's like not only is he like a bad cat, but he's like murdered and robbed, and he's Mungo Jerry and Rumpelstiltskin are, are cat burglars, right? They're they're think of them as like crossbones, whereas he's more like you know uh, Thanos. Okay. Or maybe not. Thanos is probably too big, but but you know he's he's the big bad of your Marvel movie, and not your guy that gets like off in the opening act. Okay, okay. You guys are gonna come out of this wanting your uh, wanting your animated spinoff. My 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 pitch for the animated <laughs> spinoff. Like if this was an '80s TV show, McCavity at the beginning of every episode would be sitting in his lair, like tapping his finger, being like Mungo Jerry Rumble Teaser. We got to figure out how to get old Deuteronomy's heaven side lair past this week. <laughs> I so would watch that every break. week. Not going to lie, I would. <laughs> uh, all right, so he kidnaps her when she realizes who he is. Uh, Victoria raids a house with playful twins, Mongo Jerry and Rumble Teaser, who in turn leave her for the home's dog. Which, which again <sighs> is a great, this is a great story moment. I mean, we can talk about Starry later, but like, this is not in the play at all. Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser appear and then sometimes reappear in the play and sometimes don't. Whereas here we use them to not only establish Victoria's journey in the Jellicle Cats, but also you set up the ship of Victoria and Mistopheles because he comes and helps her. 
That's true. So it, um, it serves yes. an actual very important purpose in making this addition to the story. This mar- this might be like my favorite part. This and the bus for Jones. Um, but Caleb touched. <laughs> I can't remember if it was from the ride home or when we were in the movie. But when like they're talking about like a dog behind the door, Caleb's just like, please do not put a dog in this movie. Please do not. <laughs> Yeah, I want to watch like, this movie yeah. with you guys so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, if it was an implied dog, you see, it's like the ear in Reservoir Dogs, right? Like they didn't show the cutting; they just show the ear. That you see the, you know, Hooper knew when to hold back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, I was just like. I, I, I leaned over to you and I was just like, if they show a dog in this, I'm walking out. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just... <laughs> but you weren't like, if 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 um, James Corden eats a CGI shrimp, you're like, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I was okay with that. But I'm literally okay with like anything James Corden does, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not as freaking. <laughs> All right. So she is ultimately saved by Mr. Mistopheles. He distracts the dog and they escape the house and return to the group just in time to meet the tribe's wise and beloved matriarch, Old Deuteron. Who is, Old Deuteron. Who, who, by the way, in the play is played by, is a male. And I think it's usually like a baritone or a bass voice. So they really changed that up, and I think to great success. Judy Dench rocks. Her songs are much easier to understand, and her in that key for which the way she did them sort of more speaking. So it was a good move. Yeah, cool. was good. Little little gender flip there. Huh. Isn't um in the play the song um, Mongo Jerry and Rumble Teaser? Isn't it a lot more? Uh, fast pace than how they did it so as as far as i remember there are two versions of the play musically the original one from the london is more like the one that from the london show is the one i have both soundtracks and that one is more like it was in the original show as far as i can tell which is a little jazzier and then the american one or, or the more popular one the one the only one i've ever seen on stage is more dynamic. It has a slow part and a really fast part, and it's much like brighter and catchier. It's it's much more of a showstopper, whereas this one is more sort of like a jazzy number. I think from a visual standpoint, it works well with the movie, but I don't think it's as catchy of a song. Okay. But for like the scene that they're in and the jumping on the bed and the sort of like twenties flapper kind of look, it it was probably the right choice. Yes. Yes. Choices must have been made to make this movie. <laughs> People decided decided to have Judy Dench lift her leg in enthusiasm yeah. for Gus the Theater Cat. <laughs> Caleb Space. Uh, all right. So Old Deuteronomy commences the Jellicle Ball, hosted inside of the abandoned Egyptian theater. Victoria dances a ballet solo in the moonlight, but is distracted by the harassment of Grizabella, a former member of the tribe 
whom they banished for, among other things, her past allegiance with Cavity. Victoria relates to Grizabella's sentimentality and their quiet camaraderie. Oh my gosh. <sighs> camaraderie is witnessed by old Deuteronomy, who assures Victoria that, despite not being a jellical cat, she can become one in time. Bomba Lorena? Bombalarina. Bombalarina, thank you. Is a femme fatale. fatale. Femme fatale. Femme fatale. Played by the inimitable, iconic Taylor Swift. Who yes. I thought brought it Iconic's home. Iconic's a strong word for her. <laughs> so, you're so sweet, Caleb. So I am not a Taylor Swift fan. At I mean, all. look, I, can... I, I I I like her a lot, and I have some good friends that like truly, truly like they are. She is their favorite artist. I don't think her her popularity and what is now enduring popularity can really be disputed. Like objectively speaking, we're talking like a decade. She has been number one, right? Like I love Gaga. She's an artist, but like. She sort of ebbed and flowed. Taylor Swift's been this like power hitter <laughs> for a decade. She's got a good point. I can't dispute. I'm just that. like bending your <laughs> I mean, mind. I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm like bending your minds here. I got you guys like praising Taylor Swift and well, no, maybe not yet. <laughs> Poor Caleb. Praising is strong word. I can appreciate <laughs> the things that she's been able to do with her career. Doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> so a femme fatale feline interrupts the proceedings and sings McCavity's praises. This song has honestly grown on me. I didn't like it when we first saw it. Dude, honestly, like listening to the whole soundtrack, the soundtrack has grown on me so much. Like I love the soundtrack. So so, so something that I I will say that my sister and I spent time talking about this, because like we went, we went into the movie, I said, yeah, the theater I saw it originally, the, the, it was a shitty sounding theater, you know, I should see it on like a better theater, and we saw it at a better theater, and this, and, and she's like, and then we went back and we listened to the record, and, and the record's mix is a thousand times better than that of the movie, and what Becky will tell you, she's a filmmaker, is that she felt like the sound mix of the film was self-conscious, that they, they were so worried about you like hearing and understanding what was going on, because it's such a hard to understand play, that they buried a lot of the really cool musical stuff going on, and didn't lean into it enough, and and I would say that's especially um, uh, noticeable on Rum Tum Tugger's song. The recorded version of that song is a funky, 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 cool, you know, it's sort of trying to be a Sly and the Family Stone kind of a thing, but it's totally muted in the in the movie. I have to definitely agree. I thought I had a hard time hearing everything. I thought it was just because I was I'm partially deaf. <laughs> I mean you are, but I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really partially deaf. I actually am so <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm personally like for real. Yep. Oh shit. Yeah. Something new you know about me now. Why do you think like sometimes you have to repeat me, repeat yourself as you're on my left side? I don't know because you don't listen. <laughs> well, I have an excuse, okay, asshole. <laughs> uh, as she, Mungo Jerry, and Rumpel Teaser douse the Jellicles and Catnip to distract them. The cavity kidnaps old Deuteronomy, threatening to drown her after his pleas for a new life are rejected. Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser insist that they had no idea that McCavity would take old Deuteronomy 
and they were just having fun. Distraught over their leader's disappearance, the cats have hit a wall on what to do. Victoria soon suggests that Mr. Mistopheles use his magic to try and conjure Old Deuteronomy back. After a few tries, he manages to rescue Old Deuteronomy in this manner, and the rest of the tribe praise him as they emancipator. Is that what that word says? As, the, uh, as their emancipator. Emancipator. Wow, I cannot read English. How is this my native language? <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, I was totally lost where I was. All right, there we go. Uh, Victoria and Mr. Mistopheles dance together and become mates, having fallen for each other. For some, I what? never caught. Yeah, I didn't even catch on to that. There is no. Well, there is no love story in the original play, and this is to me like, and 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 I would say for my sister and other people I saw it with, I think one of the subtle strongest parts of the film version of this story is when you know we can talk this on character development, but I I love this element of the of the movie. I gotta see this. Yeah, movie. you didn't I, see them like nuzzling up to each other, and he's like constantly. Not just that, but I didn't get a mating vibe off of it. Yeah, that's because you put Mistopheles in the friend zone, man. Get him out of the friend zone. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Jenny Anydots, via a costume change, frees herself and the other kidnappees, Buster Jones, Gus, and Skimmelchicks, who all make their narrow escape from the cavity's henchman, Routite. Isabella returns to the Egyptian where she is vouched for by Victoria, who implores everyone to hear her out. Isabella proceeds to sing a passionate ballad about her mistakes, her former glory, and her beauty, which turns out to be the song Memory. The song touches the hearts of the Jellicles, most of all Old Deuteronomy, who names Isabella the winner. Isabella reaches the heavy side layer via a hot air balloon slash chandelier repaired by Mr. Mistopheles' magic. In one last attempt to reach the heavy side layer, the cavity leaps onto a rope from the chandelier but falls off and gets trapped on top of Nelson's collar. The Jellicles, reunited with their kidnapped brethren and rid of the cavity, seek Isabella off from a lion's statue as the morning sun rises. Old Deuteronomy breaks the fourth wall and sings directly to the audience. They soon salute Isabella and disperse, leaving Old Deuteronomy to welcome Victoria to her tribe for acting as a good Okay. There's some editorialization the in this Wikipedia article I want to add, but it's it's you know. Yeah. yeah well, well uh, done. Considering one thing, did they even like mention Gus in this thing? Uh, yeah, they mentioned yeah, they, 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 they they mentioned him among the the cats that get saved, but they, they, this is a very um this is a very taut description of the play. They they didn't yeah. they didn't go through every scene. Yeah. So uh, good job. I would I, I actually, like. Oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would like to say that the song about how to address a cat pissed me off. It's you oh, don't like because cats. I hate cats, and I'm like, you will get addressed <laughs> however I address you. You don't so, grateful cat. To, <laughs> to be clear, my favorite moment of the play, um, and, and, the, and this is one time where I kind of missed the true singer of Old Deuteronomy, but that that's the corollary that closes the loop with the naming of the cats at the beginning. So when you're introduced to the tribe and they talk about the cats and the naming of the cats, the, what you supposedly have learned throughout this is how to how to treat them, you know, sort of how to treat them and the significance of their name and how to talk to them. 
and and this is the and remember these are poems right so it's not like they were they they stay they tried to you know they tried to stay pretty but i understand like you're kind of like why do i have to treat a chat with respect screw that cat <laughs> yeah Caleb's an so asshole. kidding doesn't like <laughs> doesn't like <laughs> animals no, he just doesn't like cats. He loves dogs. He yeah, loves I love dogs. I love most animals. But no, I hate cats. cats. Like, honestly, cats can go to hell. When we were younger, and like my, my cat was very affectionate, and she would rub up against his legs. It literally looked like he was about to piss his pants. Yeah, because I was about to. <laughs> I mean, I'm respective of your fears. I'm, I'm not respective. I'm respectful of your fears. I am too, but you know, I've known you for so long that I feel... I can see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, how do we think this story worked for this? So, talking it through from someone who's seen the play, I was gonna, I was down in like the sixties with the story because mainly because I didn't understand what was going on. I like they were talking about this whole new life thing, and I was under the assumption that they were going to go stay in some like fancy hotel. Or something like have an owner and all this other stuff, and That's... I didn't realize that they were going to send this cat on a oh, loop. They're going to their death. Well, they're it, in the play. They get sort of raised up on a harness into the sky from a giant tire. Um, but yeah, it's 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 you know how cats have nine lives and all of that. It, it, I think it's a little bit of a play on that. It's this notion that that they will be reborn and have the life they'd always wanted or an upgrade or something like that. It's a very, it's a very kind of spiritual ethereal thing. I don't know if it's religious, but it's definitely spiritual. But for me, uh, yeah, sorry, dude, I don't, the order, can I take my number? For story? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, see, I'm, I know you guys know I love this movie, but I'm not going to overdo the numbers because I think in cats, the story really isn't, what the play is about. The story is simple. It always has been simple. Um, so I give it a 70 and I think this, but the, but I, 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 the story in the movie really is a huge improvement over the play and, and, but gives way to what I think is actually really interesting character stuff. So I, I'll give it a 70. Okay. Rose. I can agree with that. 70, 70. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's about where I was at too. After the explanation and everything, so seventy it is. All right. Next up, we got writing. So, what are you thinking with that, Rose? I don't know how to grade this because I don't know how. Is this really how cats? Talk? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to grade this. Is this a documentary? Is that what you're asking? Look, here's yeah, my point it's... about this. T. S. Eliot, right? He's considered like one of the great. You know, poets and authors of our time. You're gonna, you're gonna give him a bad. You're gonna give him a bad number. You know, <laughs> like that's a good point. So I gave, well, I gave did, him. Did he write this? Did he write the movie? Because someone had to adapt. No, that that's true. The story this, was I, I, who the story. The story was whoever did the story. He just wrote the poem. Okay, so it went from yeah, so, so it went from a book slash poem to a musical and then to a movie. Yeah, is that how it went? Okay. Yeah. So someone had to it's like chain of write. <laughs> yes, they had to do the writing based off of his story. Yeah. And I feel that they didn't make it very new to cats friendly. 
Okay. So I think for me personally, I mean, this is one that I'm still in the sixties. That is true. <laughs> I think I think so I think you make a fair point there. I think the 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 counter argument I would make in the world where people want movies like Joker and praise movies like Joker it seems that in those situations, people don't want to be spoons fed. They're fine with lots of abstraction and uh, was it real or not? Was it a dream or not? What was the blood on the floor at the end, right? But in cats, everyone's like, I, I want to know. I want to know the rules of this cat universe. Why do they have butt cracks? <laughs> like, I could let slip, like, a lot of that <laughs> different stuff. But <laughs> I did there. I did. <laughs> Um, you proud of that? I'm really proud of that. <laughs> I I can let a lot of that stuff go, like the rules, like the things that I have a hard time letting go. Of. Like I'm the way I imagine it, I'm like, okay, these are supposed to be like cats, and like this is just kind of ha- like I could yeah, set up like how they, I could set, see how they set up like how the cats are in this world. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get past like some of the magic stuff that was happening. I'll give you that one. And then like with this, it was just like the store or the writing, like I said, wasn't very friendly to someone who's never dealt with the play before. It was very confusing and it's kind of like you need a little bit more explanation. And with Joker, Yes, it is abstract, but it is kind of you kind of this is kind of set up that he, he doesn't see view the world as everyone else does. So you're kind of seeing the world from his view, and then you can start questioning it with your own logic. This one, it's just kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it needed a bit more explanation, and I think like one of the. Oh crap, I forgot. So you're saying like if you had me like if you had me like a like like briefing you during the movie or 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 what was you guys were saying was you guys talking about or somebody else was talking about how you got to read like the comic books now and the Star Wars movies to find out what's going on and watch all the side shows. So like you're saying is that if you had like a Wikipedia page to go along with the movie it might have been easier. Yes. I think yeah, that, I, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I, I just don't think they did a great job at setting up the rules like Joker did. Joker set it up and they make it, like, yes, it did leave you to interpret some things, but it did set up this guy has some mental illnesses. Yeah. So you kind of have to take what you see with a grain of salt. And then that you're kind of like, okay, these are the rules. And then they just play off of those. This one, I don't think they quite set them up that well so me my grade for the writing is below the story and i'm in the lower 60s okay i'm i can definitely agree with you i'm definitely 60s but i'm at like like a 65 that's about what i'm what do you think i'm i'm going uh, you guys have actually affected me here because I'm not going to judge Elliot's poem. I was originally like, I'm like, how can I give a bad grade to T.S. Eliot's poems? So I was going to give it an 80. But I think based on this, I think as a as a Cats fan, I think it's a huge upgrade from a writing perspective because what they chose to add 
is I think is fantastic, but like it's hard for it's hard for me to argue with someone who doesn't have that context and who who like went in and been and was like, I don't understand anything that just happened. So I, you know, I'll, I'll go to a seventy-five. But I don't necessarily view those as bad grades per se. I'm just I'm trying to be accurate and still say I liked it at seventy five. Okay. Okay. Well, well, I already said I'm like low oh, sixty. Yeah. So like, like I'll, I sixty two. Around sixty two. Okay. So if we average that out. Wait, you're not gonna count me in your average though. I don't wanna like screw up your all bros like I don't want to like ruin your guys like public reputation if you accidentally end up giving cats a better score than the rise of Skywalker. No, this is how our, our breakdowns work. Our guests. Oh my okay. God. This is yeah. a, this is a, oh, I'm glad I'm playing it straight then. Now it's Becky's not. numbers were like way higher, but since she isn't here, I won't, I won't read them and add them in. Then what did you say for, you said 70? I'm going to give 70, 70 for story, 75 for writing. But okay. but more so based on that that like I really like the choices they made in in moving the story along. Okay, so that so all of our writing grades average out to sixty seven point three. Okay. All right, acting. This one's going to be hard <laughs> for for little, me because I individually. It's it's difficult to do individual because they were singing most of the time, mm-hmm. so it's more like they're whoa, whoa, whoa. Per- they were singing and moving. Yeah, I mean they weren't talking a lot of the time. That's accurate. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know acting. Like I think the only one that did like acting work was like. I just Elba. <laughs> Everyone else did like more songs and dance and like so, I was throwing so, their great. So I, like, I'm I'm going to dispute this hardcore. Okay, for me, I'm going to go down the list here. Francesca Hayward to me is a breakout star from this movie. This woman is the best ballerina in the world, probably. Right? She's the principal ballerina in the Royal Ballet. Yeah, she's not like a Shakespearean actor per se. But to me, the looks on her face, the way she interacts with the other cats, her movement is so incredibly expressive. I, To me, she's a 90. Robbie Fairchild, who plays Strap, I think that cat, they made a decision to give him a lot of the the glue between scenes and, and characters. And, and he, they really, they, they, they took that character and they even amped up his role. And I thought he was fantastic. And Laurie Anderson, who plays Mistopheles, huge upgrade of the way Mistopheles is is acted or portrayed in the play, because he has to be this almost like nerdy guy who's in the friend zone, who's not super capable. The, the guy in the play is a much more sort of like jazzy. He's a winner, and he only comes in to sort of save the day once or twice during the play. Whereas the sort of vulnerability of Laurie Anderson's Mistopheles, I thought, was terrific and really endearing. So those three who are the least famous actors probably of the group, to me, like they were the brightest spot of the movie. And and they're acting in the broadest sense, not like in their like delivery of lines, um, was, I thought, fantastic. Yeah, they they all did really well with 
I feel what, what they were given. And my my score wasn't like super low. And like if I'm thinking for like as a, a whole, because we're used to like seeing people like a, a character and their progression. It just felt like with Victoria specifically, like we were just following along with her. And like you said, she's kind of our, our avatar, like kind of getting to know the world as we do. I think that's such a cool way to look at it. At it. I never thought about that. That's such a cool way to look at this, this this world. Yeah. And I think they did really well. Like, I'm in the mid to upper 70s. I could probably be talked to, like, low 80s. I'm, I'm, in, the, really I'm in the 80s. You are? Yeah. Okay. Where, where are you at if you're grading the... Okay, so here's where I'm at. So I gave Francesca Hayward a 90, Robbie Fairchild an 80, Ian uh, Ian McCallum and Judy Dench, I give them a 70, which sounds bad, but again, I'm not taking 70 as a bad number, but th- like I I didn't think like I thought their professionalism was amazing, but but I, if we're grading on a curve, I I think if they weren't in it, it still would have been really good. But like in the end of the day, Ian McKellen was freaking Gandalf. He was Magneto, and he lapped up that milk from the saucer, like you know, like the pro that he is. <laughs> yeah, God bless him. So true. Idris Elba, Idris Elba, man, that guy. Well, I mean, he's being mysterious and interest Elba for the beginning, and then he is as close to naked as you are ever going to see, like, that guy dance around. Yeah, yeah. And he just, <laughs> he sells, 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 and it is awesome. And then uh, I think, you know, and my sister would want to add that Taylor Swift was, was, was pretty pretty great in a, in a film that I think they should have used her more, frankly, but just in the ones that I added. So I'm going to, I'm doing the math. I'm going to, I'm going to average out here. So that's, I counted one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, so I doing honest to goodness math, be giving Idris Elba a 75, leaving out my sister's 99 for Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> uh, I give a 78.3333. For, for acting, okay. and that's because I clearly just like stiffed it. Ah, you know what? I round me up to an eighty across the board. Round me up to an eighty because I I, I think I was probably a little bit harsh on Judy Dench. And, I mean, when Judy Dench's character raises her leg at Ian McKellum to like flirt with him, like give him the old like. <laughs> I think I gagged. <laughs> it was just like, but I'm just like watching. I'm like, that's Dame Judy Dench. Judy Judy Dench doesn't have to do anything she doesn't want to do. But she's like, yeah, I'm in Cats. Cats was you know a big deal in the '80s. It's awesome. <laughs> but 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 really, for me, it's it's about the performance of those three principal actors who I think, and, and we sort of talk overall. Like I think had they gone more in the direction of unknowns who were extremely powerful physical performers th- it would have been less of uh it would have been less easy to poke fun at because here they they can easily point to judy dench's face is floating on a furry cat yeah it's a little odd because you know what judy dench's face looks like mm-hmm. so what are you thinking ross same 80 80 yeah okay i I'm going to go like the mid 70s. So maybe not. I think I'll do, go 75. Okay. Um, I thought everyone did really well. There was just those 
some that maybe overacted a little bit, like with the cat stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the hissing, I mean, the hissing didn't do it for you. It's a lot of hissing. So, yeah. can I, I? Sorry, I just have one question. So, in the play, is it touched upon what cross pause means? Is that like their? Is that how they pray? Oh, or? you know, I never really thought about that. I don't really know, but I guess they do do that a lot, right? Yeah, they did say that a lot in the movie. Oh, so that's I, a, that's I, a, I gotta I gotta rewatch and check that out. I haven't thought about that because I think like in Mr. Mistopheles' song, before he like tries to oh make cross pause, it's like crossing your fingers, like for good luck. That's what, uh, okay. that's what that's when she says it to Mistopheles is because you know he's sort of got a luck's got to be on his side there. I think that's what that means. Yeah, it makes more sense. Thank you. Okay. All right, next up we got character development. So who do we think made the I think the one, what was it, Grizabella? Yeah. I think hers was like the most significant like development, but like some other people said, they didn't really focus on her story. Yeah, she's she's barely. Yeah. She's barely in the play also, by the way. She walks by, her, her character is a device, so her character's device in the play essentially to get to memory. But she's, it actually, one of the, I love the play, but one of the jarring things about the play is as you watch this whole play and you see this parade of cats and you see her once or twice and then she gets the big song at the end, you're kind of like, huh, so she's the one that gets to go to the heaven sign lair? In this, by tying it to Victoria's journey, they actually earned it a lot more. So if I'm talking character development, I'm talking Victoria, I'm talking Mistopheles, because those two really go through a personal journey. Mistopheles finds his courage. He goes from doubting himself to being the hero. He he does brave things that he doesn't realize he could do before in order to save Victoria. And then Victoria, her new fresh eyes by which she views the world is why Grizabella is redeemed. It's not because Grizabella did anything good. So for me, that character development is strongest with those two characters and thus leaves me giving it um, an, an 80. Yeah. Okay. For, so, okay. If, I can agree if, we, if we follow the story of Mistopheles, yeah. whatever, <laughs> Victoria, the marvelous magical You bet. <laughs> I will give you their story was pretty good. It was. Um, and you said that he has more of like a jazzy, more confident kind of feel in the play, right? Yeah, so in the play but but I mean I think in the earliest versions of the play he's so something that's really interesting about the play is that it's one of the physically hardest plays to perform. I don't know if you've read any articles about it, but you, the level of dancing and singing that is required for most of those parts is not normal. And so actually any Broadway show I've, I saw after that as a kid, I was like, I don't get it. Why can't these people dance and sing like the guys in Cats? And so for some of the characters, there are certain dance requirements, Victoria's and Mistopheles being two of them, um, where often when you see the play, they actually don't sing. Um, Victoria doesn't have a song at all in the in the play because she's supposed to be like a expert ballerina. And so she's always cast as the best dancer, but it's not usually someone who can like belt out a song. And Mistopheles sometimes sings, but usually doesn't. 
because his character in the play has to do these like incredibly high kicks um, that like not a lot of dancers can do. And so in the play, he's more of this sort of like showman character, a good guy, a showman character who's brought in to save the day as opposed to a guy who's been going through the journey with everyone. And he's very self-assured. He comes in, he's doing his magic right away. As soon as he pops on stage, he's, firing off um he's firing off uh sparks and he's got a light up jacket and he comes in from the ceiling as opposed to this one which is much more of a uh, a character that is developing as the story goes on bet you never thought you'd hear that much about mr mistopheles (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that gives a a lot better explanation of how they changed him though yeah Honestly, it sounds like it was for the better. Yeah, I'll send you guys a link of his, of his. They have the the play that has the kind of the key moment with his jumps, and you'll see that the, the performance of that song. They have it on YouTube from the play, um, like a high quality version, and you'll see it's a totally different vibe to the to the to the character. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so you said you're sitting about an 80 with yeah. the developer. Yeah, like I'm not going to overdo it. We're not talking like Daisy. We're not talking like Ray from Skywalker from Rise of Skywalker here. Uh, Rose, I I go 75. 75. Um, with me, I'd maybe give it a little higher than 75. Not like maybe mid seventy five, so like seventy seven ish. Okay, yeah. Can I agree with your score? Nope. Well, you <laughs> ass. <laughs> uh, such a dick. So, <laughs> so that puts character. I only said no because I already like hit. <laughs> <laughs> the enter button on the calculator. <laughs> I had a feeling that's why you did. <laughs> okay, so that puts the character development grade at 77.3. All right, next up, effects. I don't even know how to grade these. As the fan, I'm going to say, and, and my sister... My sister was really funny. She goes, negative 25 for being garbage, plus 25 because of how it's fun to make fun of it. So even though we love the, the play, the, the effects was just a huge misstep for the movie. I mean, I, I gave it a 20. So let's put it at a 10 for my family's contribution here. And 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 like this is where if I were making cats, <laughs> if I were if I were doing a rewrite um, or that there was going to be the shy cut release, the release. I would instead of gone the like CGI route and tried to do that, I would have emphasized the things that make the play great, which is that it is a physically astounding thing to watch. These people, A, do the movements, but also the dancing and the parts where they focus on the dancing during the Jellicle Ball, during the Skimbleshanks routine, um, even during the movements that they do during the addressing of cats or during Jellicle Cats. The, the best parts are when you're just watching these phenomenal athletes move. And if I were filming this movie, I would film it like the Raid Redemption. Right? Do you guys see that movie? I have not. Okay. So the Raid Redemption, in my view, best, best action movie of the last 20 years. And what's great about it is that 
there are scenes that are continuous shots. There's like gritty action. Like I would have, I would have emphasized to people like, you know how in Les Mis, Hooper did Les Mis. And in Les Mis, he talked about how everybody sang live for the movie, right? They had the little thing in their ear and they, and they, all the performances in the movie to get the acting that they needed, they actually had them sing. And those were the performances that they used in the final version. They should have done that for the dancing and cats and stripped away the CGI and just use, like, they can make great costumes. Look at all the Avengers stuff. They could have made a good costume. And they should have done it that way. And then people would be talking about how, wow, the story doesn't make sense, but holy mackerel, they really filmed this in a, like, gritty, interesting way that shows you how phenomenal the performers are. So for me, FX, 10. Real, it's a real bummer because as someone who loves the play, it's the thing everybody points to. And they say, like, it sucks. I can't argue that it was, I can't say it was good, the effects. And, and it bothers me that it's sort of taken people out of what could have been a really cool experience. I feel like I'm a bit more forgiving. So I follow a lot of people on YouTube that do special effects. And one of the things that they talk about is like the effects on cats. And the thing is, it's more like the effects. It's a lot more of just like how unsettling it is seeing a human as a cat and it's like the CGI and like the skin tight, like everything it's, it's unsettling. And I can appreciate how well, like one of the things that I noticed a lot is the lighting on every, all the characters were really good. It was, and it like, it helped kind of set how they were in the world. The issues that I had were a lot of the things that were very noticeable, like um, like the floating heads, like Judy Dench's yeah, like floating head. head. Like there's one uh, who's the uh, Jason Derulo? No, not Jason. Was that his his face? The yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So when he had like was turning his head, you could see his face like move, like bounce yeah. kind of back. Yeah, that, that that was that was weird. I yeah. feel like effects uh, have come far enough that. That shouldn't happen anymore, right? Like, Agreed. like Carrie Fisher's face wasn't floating in The Rise of Skywalker. True. Yeah. You know where it was floating? We talk about it was it. floating in The Last it. Jedi because Ryan Johnson <laughs> yeah. hates Star Wars. It does. Yes. He is oh. the fa- he's like the Phantom Menace. He was sent by the Sith to destroy the fandom. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah, so I had like, to get it in there. I, had to get it not, I cannot we, complain about that movie. I'm pathologically incapable of, of not complaining about that movie. We thank you. So, yeah, I'm I'm sitting around a 35 because I, I'm giving it points for what it got right, but okay. it got so much wrong. All like all the people that were close up, yeah. Uh, all the CGI characters close up, they looked really, really decent. That yeah. is true. Were, the, the, I mean, ears, the ears and the tails were actually really cool and expressive. Yeah, those were great. Yeah, it was the people that were in the further background that looked like shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my and it was like, can I change my noticed. number? Now you're making me feel better about it. I kind of feel like my number should be higher because of what they got right. I was too harsh. Was compensating for my nineties. 
Yeah, sure. All right, all right. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go up to a thirty. I'm not gonna go as high as you because you made the argument. I want to like, I don't want to be too bandwagony, but I think a thirty is probably more appropriate. Yeah, I. But the, yeah, like I said, there were still a lot of things that they got wrong. The sets though that they had were pretty decent. Those looked really good. Yeah, and you could tell what was like a set and what was. Yeah, but there were like with um. Just gonna call him James Gordon with his scene. Buster when for he's Jones. drinking, yeah, when Buster for Jones. When he's drinking the water, how fake was that water? <laughs> oh, when they're like they, pouring that water in his mouth, that was yeah. And it's like, they still got, yeah, it, it's like they forgot to turn the opacity on on the, the fluid, <laughs> <laughs> and then it just like it was funny. it was like ghost fluid because you didn't see him getting wet. That's true. He, he was just underneath this weird thing that was flowing down. Yeah. And they, and I think what also didn't really sell it was some of the, like the sound design on that. Cause it didn't sound like, you know, like it sounded like he was faking it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound like he was getting like water poured on his face. Like yeah, they should have really just poured water on his face. Yeah. If you listen to the soundtrack of that part, cause they even include it, it just sounds it does like and that like gave me like horrible flashbacks to <laughs> bad bad look uh, but yeah it the thing for the things it got right it did okay but it didn't get a lot right so that's why I'm giving it like you're at a 35 I'm at a 30 as well and I told Caleb this they do some parts. They did not know the proportion of what a cat is. Oh, hell no! Because during the the song, I find this to be one of the funniest arguments people make. I mean, I I understand what you're saying, but it just sounds so the, funny. During the song of Skimble Shanks, the railway railway cat. You mean when they when they when they transport to the middle of the railroad in the middle of the song? <laughs> that's what you were yeah. concerned about. Yeah. Well, no, not that. They're just like they're way too small on the railroad, and then when they go into like the actual like rail rail car, uh, like literally, I felt like they were like half the size of the door. Yeah, they were they were the size of like they were the size of like cougars at that point, or like the yeah. or, like, bobcats at that point. Yeah, yeah I was just like, yeah, and on the no, railroad, no, right. like it's not like honestly, like almost every cat is like the exact same in height, so it's not that hard. To distinguish, uh, that just bugged me. <laughs> it, it was irritating. Um, yeah, my wife and I, we, there's a big Skimble Shanks divide in our house. My wife does not like Skimble Shanks, although she enjoyed the film version of it. She's like, oh, Skimble Shanks, enough with that cat. <laughs> well, I, I will say his, he is one, the biggest, one of the biggest visual changes in the film without a gender swap, which some of the characters did, is Skimbleshanks because he is dressed more sort of like in a vest and a pocket watch in the in the play. And here they had him more sort of like in this, like, I don't know if it was like disco-y village people, like the red suspenders kind of. It was I thought it was very cool, hip, a much more updated take than the sort of old-timey man with a pocket watch look that, that the play was. I thought that was a good move. And the tap dancing, also not in the play. Superb, and from a sound I, standpoint, I, I, I love the tap dancing. And from a you sound know, standpoint, it, it sounds great on the album. Yes, it does. 
what pissed me off about Skimble Shanks, and it wasn't anything that, about the character itself, it's the fact that he wore clothes and also <laughs> knowing that we didn't need to have a naked actress album. That's, That's what you're so, saying. Again, there were just a, there were a lot of choices made in this play. <laughs> in this movie. And that was one yeah. of them. I will fully admit I have a huge man crush on Idris Elba. I mean, Dude, I feel his voice can melt butter. <laughs> it really can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but naked cat Idris Elba. <laughs> uh, to me, I thought he looked so badass in that trench coat and the hat. When he appeared like that, I was just like, whoa. I was like, I mean, I've embraced it because I'm like, hey, I get, again, it's like eating the cockroaches that I'm like, okay, this is where we're going with this. But wow. Uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this was a strange, strange choice. Because also in the in the play, he's got like a big mane. He doesn't sing in the play either, by the way. He's just like a big, tall dancer guy who appears and reappears and stuff. I wonder if Idris Elba has like a background in dance at all. I'm interested to see. Yeah. All right, moving on to the saving grace of the movie, the music. Oh, I love the soundtrack to death. Yeah. So this one is out of ten, not a hundred. Right. So. This uh, the music. All of the music was pretty rock solid. Yeah. The issues that I had with the any of the performances weren't with the performances themselves. It was with the effects of the. Okay. So taking it like stripping all of it and listening to the soundtrack, which I did uh, yesterday. You okay. guys, by the way, are so legit and honest about your reviews. I really it it like. Again, I didn't agree with a lot of what you said about Rise of Skywalker, but it is one of the few podcast episodes I've been able to listen to with people I disagree with because you guys do the work. I just have a ton of respect for what you guys are doing. Well, thank you. Yeah, we don't hear that a lot. <laughs> I just get a lot of messages being like, well, that seemed a bit low. <laughs> I, I think that the best compliment you can get as a podcaster is when anyone messages you anything about the podcast, because then at least you know you're they're listening. True. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also I think one of our first YouTube videos that we did, like us like going out and like hunting and stuff. I think um I don't think it got a thumbs up, it got a thumbs down. But I think me and Caleb were just like at least people are watching and we'll take it. <laughs> oh yeah. We sparked enough of a reaction to get someone to react to our video. Like, that's a win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of any song. Like, the only song, and this is, like, totally going against what you were saying. I did not like the Taylor Swift song. It's so, like, I did not like it in the movie for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's how you touched upon, like, it sounds so much better on the soundtrack, but that song has grown on me so much. To me, I think I think Universal has chickened out from putting that up for an Oscar. It, that song's better than all of the songs in the new Frozen movie, and I'm sure Adina Menzel's new song will win, but to me, 
not only is it a great, the fact that they created a new, usually when they throw in one of these new songs for these musicals, they're like throwaway nonsense. Like that Les Mis song was, was nominated for an Oscar. Could you tell me like what purpose that served and, and what it was? No. Whereas Beautiful Ghost is actually used to thematically move the story, grow the character, and it's, it's hauntingly beautiful. Like my wife, who does not like cats, is like, this song is great. Um, and I think, and Taylor Swift wrote that with Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's not easy to sit down with the guy who oh, wrote the play and, and, you know, write a new song for his play that had memory in it, you know? Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, wait, so I think beautiful, so beautiful. I'm thinking of the McCavity song. No, she sang, she sings that song in the play, but she wrote, oh. she was brought it, they, they had her write Beautiful Ghosts with Andrew Lloyd Webber. There's a oh, so that's YouTube a brand thing. new song. So that's a brand new song that, cause Victoria doesn't sing in the play at all. So when I heard they were coming up with a new song, I was, I was interested that it's Taylor Swift. I'm like, well, she's not going to put out garbage on the music front, but what exactly is it going to be? Is it going to be something that's valuable to the play? Or is it just one of these things where we want to put a new song in so we can get an Oscar nomination? And to me, Beautiful Ghosts is like, it's like my second or third favorite song in the play now. I listen to it like all the time with the kids. And I mean, I listen to it all the time. I think it's a great song. So Taylor Swift sung that? No, she wrote it. She, she wrote, wrote it. it. On yeah. the album, okay. there is a and Taylor then... Swift version. On the on the album at like the end, there's a Taylor Swift um, okay. version. Well, she... I was thinking of the McCavity song. Uh, that's the one I didn't like. And I think it was because she was trying a little too hard to fake an accent. Well, I mean, it's, that, it's a British, like a they're British cats, right? to be fair. Yeah, and I, I think I just think it was her. Her accent was bad. <laughs> I think I thought that scene. I thought to me visually also that that's one of the scene that really slays. I think that yeah. that scene sort of like, I felt like they were like, we're not going to make Taylor Swift look stupid, and so they were like, whatever you do, you can have moving faces on every other cat, but this scene has <laughs> to look like a great old timey dance number. Yeah, just watching her come down and slow on like dropping catnip onto the that that was pretty cool. Yeah, oh, I yeah everything like the the like I said the only like the it was a minor minor gripe with the that song, and it was just because I didn't like whenever she's just like McCavity's not there and she I think she was just playing up the the British accent on a little too much. I'll give you that one. She does say that line. It does get a little. Yeah, and personally, I like I said that if it drops it down, it drops it down maybe a point. Okay. But I try. I, I'm not letting that affect because overall, I think the song was pretty good. It just that that part of the song I wasn't a big fan. Of. Okay, but it was everything else about the music was pretty solid. So what do you guys think? I'm at a nine or a ten. Do you guys do decimals? Am I allowed to do a decimal? Uh, my my Excel sheet does not apply for decimals. <laughs> okay, so then I'm going to give it a nine to be to be honest, because it's actually not because of any of the things you guys talked about, but I think that like I've got to be a that sound mix issue, like that that's on the filmmakers because the, whoever mixed the album did a great job. So like I I would love to get I hope when they do the Blu-ray you have like some sort of like option to have like a better sound mix 
because uh, I think that that the album version is just so much better. But but they have to be responsible for that because you know I'm not going to give them a ten out of ten for that. I also think I, I thought Jason Derulo had the attitude of the Rum Tum Tugger well, and and that was the one that probably the sound mix suffered the most. So I, I don't want to blame him. But to me, of all of the stunt casting they did, the Rum Tum Tugger was just it was just a little bit short. Um, and I'm, I'm putting an email together of like some of these iconic numbers for you guys to take a look at. But the Rum Tum Tugger has such a specific attitude in the play that he got as a performer, but they just they just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. And 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 that being said, there is a scene where he just yells the word milk. And the cats like party in a milk bar, which was like so disgusting and crazy. <laughs> okay, so music, we're going to give a nine. Hell yeah. Okay, moving on to costumes. Yeah, what do we grade on? So I think this is more just like the design of everything. And I don't. Because we gave the effects so low, I'm thinking if you were to just take a still of each of the characters, okay, the in move when they're moving, they're not great. Yeah, but when they're stationary, they're not bad. (laughs) No, especially I think (laughs) this one that stands out for me that looks really good if it's just in a picture is Mr. Mustafa's. Yeah, he looked really good. Yeah, and I think he was one actually one of the better ones in the movie. Yeah, that, like went with movement and everything. But I think they did really well with um, McCavity mm-hmm. up until he took the trench coat off. <laughs> um, so amazingly think, crazy! I love it. Uh, I think Bustopher Jones is also I think a big standout for the way they they dressed him. I'm glad that. Because I've uh, a couple days ago, I watched with Caleb the uh, stage version of Bustopher Jones. Oh yeah, I'm glad they didn't give him a, a monocle in this movie. Oh uh, yeah, and and I mean, and there's another slight change, right? Corden's Bustopher Jones is played much more for laughs. He's in there like foraging in the garbage like a wild animal, which again uh, choices were made. Whereas the Bustopher Jones in the play is much more, um, uh, you know, monocle wearing. And he yeah. just sort of rolls thought, around. Yeah, I found it very interesting in the play. I don't even think he sing. Does he sing any of Buster for Jones? Or yeah, is he it does. He sing, he sings the part. He sings the part where he like lists all the foods and the clubs that he likes to go to. Oh yeah, um, okay. Something about the senior educational, and he you know he's like, and I feast on rice pudding and mutton, right? Like that's that's him. Oh uh, yeah, that's. I, don't, I actually liked this change that he sung the whole song. Yes, that, I think you don't put George Corden in that movie. The, the the weird thing that I felt is it had his like weird underling that like Butler, which I've never seen before, and that part the the song is sung a lot by this cat who wasn't really featured in the film called Jelly Lorem in the in the play, and I I thought it was odd that they gave up a female singing role to that like helper character that Jeeves type character when they could have easily left it in one of the female singers that could have given it to Cassandra who had a, an upgraded part in the film. They could have, they could have, they could have used, they, I don't know why they had that extra cat. This is like really me, me splitting hairs, that extra cat when I, I, I would have liked the contrast 
of the female and the male voice because on the recording you can't really tell that another cat sings part of that song. Yeah, you can, but I, I can I can agree with you on that. I think that would have been a lot better. Yeah. So with the design, with yes, what sir, they were strange. going, yeah, with what sir. they were going for with everyone, I think the only ones I didn't really care for, like design wise, was like maybe Rebel Wilson's. I think they could have done a little something different. Like I think you just can't get over Rebel Wilson having her legs spread when you first see her. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> no, but like the character design for Bustopher Jones and like McCavity, like they had a di- like an added like if you were to just show me an image of the costumes, you could kind of tell the personality that they had behind that. True. Like, if you looked at James Gordon's, it it, his cat... Very sophisticated. Yeah, it looks sophisticated. It's plumper, so you're like, okay, it's a well-fed cat. (laughs) It's like a sleek trench coat with, like, a cool hat. You know, do you ever wonder, like, um, if, like, if, like with like James Gordon, if someone like they come up and they're like, you know what, we're going to offer you the role of Buster for Jones. And it's just like, should I take that as like a fat joke or like, do you actually like really want me? Well, to I, wanna, I want to say something about James Corden, who has now like disavowed the movie, right? There's that quote out there where, I mean, I don't, I don't know what his full opinion is on it, but he's like, I didn't see the movie. I heard it's terrible. I'm like, the man who gave us carpool karaoke should not be so highfalutin. I'm sure when they offered him to be in Cats, he was so excited because he's a Broadway guy and he loves Cats and he loves plays. And he like he got in there and chewed on that garbage. Now he's suddenly like, no, I hear the movie's bad. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> that's, that's Gordon, Gordon was lining up to be in that movie, I am sure. No one had to beg him to do that movie. That's a good point. I mean, you can definitely tell like he honestly like gave it all with that performance. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, it bothers me that he's sort of being shy about it now. I, and it does kind of suck that some actors do that. Like once the reviews come out, they're like, oh yeah, I forgot I was in that movie. Yeah, I hated the experience. <laughs> Dude, that. I'd be like, it just came out. <laughs> <laughs> Your name is legit on the poster. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, like with, like again, he could have leaned into the crazy. I don't know if he did anything on his show. He probably wouldn't be allowed to because he's on CBS and it's a Universal property. But I, I mean, he could have done such funny, fun stuff with that. He could, you know, honestly, I remember watching the trailer for this. He is the first name that is mentioned. It's not Judy Dench or Ian McKellen. No, it is James Corden. Yeah, because he's Mister Song and Dance. Yeah, so. I don't know why he's like kind of just like pushing this movie off of his resume. Yeah, there's like 50 other movies that you should push off your resume. <laughs> emoji movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, emoji movie. Was he? Wasn't he Peter Rabbit? I know you guys are like huge Peter Rabbit fans, but hey, uh, hey, hey, no, Rose is the big Peter I, Rabbit fan. I don't hate that movie. Um, it's better than Smurfs. It's better than Smurfs is not good. Um, I, the first link I'm going to send you guys, and this is also a huge shout out to a comedy troupe that I love. They're called Fembot PhD. Um, we were lucky enough to have one of their writers and performers, Candice Martellaro, on our show. Um, one of their performers, this woman, um, Jess Amal, Jessica Amal, who, who I think she just finished her run with them. They're in California. She has a, uh, a sketch 
of her doing Cats as a one-person show called Cat. That is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, I love a good joke that makes fun of something I love because if it's done in the right way, it's, it's awesome. And it, it totally takes the show out at the knees, but it's brilliant. And, and I cannot, everyone should Google Cats, the one person show by Fenbot PhD. It is hilarious. And Jess Amal is extremely talented. It is a must watch. So getting back on track to the Sorry. costume. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, her costume. So her costumes yeah. in that sketch are better than the ones. A lot of the ones in the play. <laughs> so this one's also out of ten. Where are you putting it? Oh me. Rose. Oh Rose. Okay. Oh, you can go first. <laughs> oh, I'll go with. I'm gonna go. It's sort of middling with me. I agree with everything you said. Like. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna go sixty five. The 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 they should have just they should have just embraced the eightiesness of the original play and just gone full in on costumes. Like I don't count CGI as costumes. So I'm giving it a what did I say? A sixty, fifty? I'm just gonna go fifty because fifty percent of it was awesome and fifty percent of it was like a disaster. Rose. Uh the six. Six? Oh, yeah. five. Yeah, not 50. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> uh, I can meet you at... at... Actually, I, I kind of want to go five. <laughs> All right, I'll be the only one that does six. <laughs> yeah, I was like, eh, no. <laughs> All right. And lastly, we are going... Or we got... The genre grade, or this is more like a personal score for it. Yeah. So we'll, so like what we'll do, because I think we all have very different opinions on this movie. This is true. <laughs> is we'll just put our grades together in an average amount. Okay. <laughs> you guys are so kind. So, <laughs> going to ruin your credibility by accident. I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right. So, would you like to go and, Oh, yeah, I'm giving this a nine. What am I? Is this at 100 or 9 or 10? This is out of 100. Okay, 90. 90. I'm going to buy this movie. I'm going to watch it over and over and over again. I speak for my sister, too. Uh, there is no question. I love this movie. I like. I know the math doesn't add up, but the whole is better than the sum of the parts is the best way I could describe it. Just surrender to the flow and, uh, and enjoy. Rose? Um, so honestly, like doing this episode, I've actually talked this movie up a little bit, uh, <laughs> understanding this, you know, musical more and just, you know, like the kind of like understanding the message, this, this whole play. So, you know, I'm going to go with a 79 actually. 79. Yeah. So I'm a bit lower. It, this definitely did get talked up a little bit for me. Okay. Like more so than I thought. Originally, I was in the, maybe the low sixties. Okay, I think I got talked up to like maybe the low seventies. Okay. So I'm gonna go seventy-one. Okay, and then that averages out to eighty. Not bad. Just better than the last Jedi score. 
That that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, though, if you want to, if you if you, if, I don't know where you display your ratings, but if you need to asterisk me out of this, so that, you know people don't, you know, bring go to pitchforks at your house, I'm I'm good with it. No, so that actually concludes this breakdown, and our final grade for cats is I, a D plus. Oh, I was thinking it was going to be in a C. Oh. It almost was until we got to effects. <laughs> Damn it! It was like <laughs> it was like a consistent. It was like bouncing between like a C, C minus, and kind of bouncing there. It got up to like a C plus. And then once we got to effects, shot. <laughs> oh, so you said Damn. D plus? D plus. Oh, I thought you said so, D plus. I'm like, B plus. That sounds lovely. That's about what I would give it. <laughs> D plus. So it's, okay. All right. So he's sitting at a 66.1%. So I'm, I'm going to say that, like, as a fan of this who loved it, I am comfortable both in the world where it gets that rating and loving and owning it and wanting to watch it over and over again. Yeah, honestly, I'm after this episode, I'm looking forward to buying this on Blu-ray. I don't I can't wait to actually watch this movie again. I can't wait to make Braille watch it. <laughs> I kinda wanna go see it in the theaters. I probably can't catch it again because I'm sure Saturday it's gonna be out of theaters too. <laughs> I feel the people that were next to me just ruined this theater experience for me. That the I think doing this episode talked to the movie up, and I think that's good. So I feel if I went to where like hopefully no one is sitting around me or they keep their damn mouth shut, <laughs> I think I would enjoy this movie a lot. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. So I feel like I've done the, I've done I've done the Jellicle Cat's work here. You have, and we thank you. So at sixty six point one percent. So that is it's above. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it's a little bit below Dark Phoenix. Haven't seen it, but I, that's probably fair also. <laughs> um, it's a bit below Unfriended. I gotta watch Unfriended again. Is I'm that sure a horror stuff. movie or like a comedy with John C. Riley? So it's a horror movie, but I would love to see that movie as a comedy. <laughs> like a cool comedy. Because I think like someone did like a, like a funny parody of that. And they're just like, okay, why are we still on? Why can't we just turn it off? Like nothing's going to happen. So I'm trying to look through other ones that we haven't done like a lot of like low movies. Um, it's below Last Jedi. No, oh no, I think it's higher. It's not like much above the Last Jedi. So Last Jedi is the music. It's a, it's a. So this is a D plus. Last Jedi is a C minus. Can we flip swap those? <laughs> you guys, you guys could have that like once a year, like a like a fan vote to switch any ratings. <laughs> yeah, we should. Uh, that's not how this works, Rose. Well, fine. <laughs> we don't have to be happy with the final grades. We just have to accept. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey. So, 
thank you guys. This has been a huge honor to do this with you. This is, I have no idea if anyone's still listening at this point. <laughs> I hope so. Cause this, this was a blast. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, it's yeah, a, we it, we're going to just power through this. <laughs> it is a, it is a pleasure doing this with you guys. I really think you have a great show. You, I mean, you made a listener after me the other day when you took my question, but, um, I feel like we've really bonded here. I agree. Yeah. We're going to have to do this again. Yes. Yeah. I'm happy to come on and, and defend any of the odd things. You want to do Death to Smoochie? Smoochie? I can do that one, too. People hate that movie. I love it. <laughs> so you want to tell our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. You do? Absolutely. Um, you can follow. So first, I encourage you to check out the Friday Night Movie podcast on all the all the platforms uh, at Friday night movie pod or sorry at Friday night movie pod on Twitter and Instagram or Friday night movie man. No, I'm saying everything wrong today. It's at Friday night movie on Twitter and Instagram. It's Friday night movie And there you can listen to the episodes. We have our glossary of all of our terms and games that we play. You can hear my sisters and I uh, do kind of like what we did here. Um, and, uh, then me, if you're interested in my stuff, which is that plus other things at pancake for table, that's pancake and the number four table on Twitter and Instagram. Hell yeah. Yeah. Go check out their stuff. I've been do. I started listening to stuff stuff yesterday. Yeah. So I listened to the rise of Skywalker reviews that they did yesterday. And then today I've just been listening to some random episodes. Yeah, if you want a funny one, go all the way back. I think it's like episode seven. We did an instant reaction to the Last Jedi. Like with the, mo- I stayed up like all night when my parents and sisters came out of the movie, and they called me from the car, and we discussed it. And that's like one of the most, I would say, like unfiltered conversations. <laughs> and I think you guys will appreciate it because you're you're just you watch my like psyche sort of crumble as the episode goes on. <laughs> Oh, cool. Well, if you like this episode and want to check out more of our stuff, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, or Spotify. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast. Um, all of our content also gets uploaded to YouTube. And, video. and the video actually got posted this morning. This so, morning? Yeah. What? Yeah, I posted it at 4 a.m. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to follow us on social media we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the all bros we are on Twitter and Instagram at the all bros and if you have a movie you want us to watch and break down a showdown idea want to give us a topic to do a dream cast on email us or message us on social media or you can email us at the all bros channel at gmail.com or go to our website and do a form that fell out at tinyurl.com forward slash the Alpros. Um, if you are so inclined, you can also go to our shop of sorts, which is on Teespring, and that's at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash the Alpros. And there you can find shirts and all different kinds of stuff with our episode art on that. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, next week is going to be episode 100, and we will be breaking Ooh. down Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh. You guys do some mm. game stuff, some video game stuff. That's cool. Yeah. So we, we kind of did that on accident, because so for episode 50, we talked about Spider-Man PS4. Oh, yeah, that's and cool. so I'm like, hey, next 50, we can do another game. Yeah, so... <laughs> Red Dead 2 it was. Red Dead 2 it was. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so you guys can look forward to that next week. And until then, this has been the All Bros podcast featuring Friday Night Movie. And I am Caleb. I'm John. And then for our guest, we oh, will catch you guys. You want me to say something? Do I say something at that point, or do you say for your guest? I, sorry, <laughs> I don't know. We haven't found a decent sign off for people. I'm yet. just gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna just I'll I'll let, before you guys have your last we're gonna say again. Thank you for having us. We had a blast. This is a terrific show. You guys are great. That's our thank, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, this is gonna be a fun one. Yes, or this has. Been I'm the sending this to everyone I know. Because <laughs> my sisters would never let me do talk about cats this long, and they like the movie. They they would never let me talk about cats this long on our own show. So honestly, thank you for like letting me understand this like this more, and you honestly topped up my score. So thank you. You're you're welcome, Rose. You are you have you have great sense of wonder. <laughs> thank you. <Yeah. laughs> All right, well, we'll catch you guys next week. Days is so long, partners. I didn't feel like Herbert's name. You're lame. You're lame. <laughs>